This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boy came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation We got the power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio. I'm James Boyd, and here with me, I have Rich Lotter. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just uh, ready here to do a show, and I recently, um, you know, got my release from WWE. Wait, wait. Um, no, not me, but the people we're going to talk about <laughs> coming up. Um, yeah, quite some, uh, quite an interesting like week and in, uh, change in wrestling. Uh, this it's only going to get more exciting from here uh, as we get into September, and you know just crazy stuff happening and i i don't know james it, i don't know what it's supposed to do the uh victory lap of all victory laps uh today or you know just tell y'all to um just listen to the prophecy we've been giving y'all since two, 2013 uh bray wyatt was released from wwe this week man um unbelievable james yeah. How do you feel about this? <laughs> I mean, I don't watch WWE's like main roster product like that. Like, I don't really care. Um, well, I take that back. I do care in the fact that like wherever he goes, like I hope it's nowhere where I actually will already watch because I don't care whatever he does in the future. Like, he's not a good wrestler. In fact, he's had some of the worst matches of the last decade. Um, a lot of them. Um, the most most notorious ones, like the ones that would be like, you know, what was the worst? What was the most memorable worst match you saw this year? And you're like, oh, the Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt's fourth match with this guy, like this year, like yeah, man, like he's he's a obviously a very com- good promo, great promo, very compelling, blah 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 blah. Um, ultimately, I think he is a shit storyteller, um, like. The point of storytelling is if she has to leave somewhere, he never has any satisfying or uh, he never has any satisfying payoffs with anything he ever does. Like it's it's never been about that. It's always been mystery box bullshit. It's I set up something intriguing, leave it vague for people to then tell the stories for themselves or convince themselves that it's something um, more grand uh, coming along, but nothing ever eventually gets there, and then he moves on to the next thing. Like. Uh, 
and I think I think we were quick to that to figure that out like really soon and like nothing's ever coming and I don't know that's and obviously we don't know how much is a byproduct of him and how much is a byproduct of WWE just they never want to get from they never want to get to the next development they want to sit there forever and drag things out forever until you you're sick of it and they wonder why like the crowd resents them so um yeah like whatever wherever he goes impact whatever like just you know stay on the mainland stay away from Japan stay you know like I don't I don't stay away from AEW like I, I, I don't really wherever else like cool he shows Ring of Honor great I don't watch Ring of Honor he shows a bit Impact great I don't watch it, uh, Impact except for like uh, Kenny Omega stuff so whatever like if he goes to GCW great never watch it <laughs> don't care. yeah let him go fight Gar- Cardona and uh, Gage I don't give a shit in Janela go for it I, go nuts like it, this the man as you said was a mystery box of bullshit there's not a single wrestler that worked with him and benefited from it they <laughs> This man was the nope. albatross of all albatrosses for wrestlers. When they were not in the title picture, they got to fight Bray Wyatt and then tank their stock for three to five months, depending on how bad it goes. If yep. it wasn't for Daniel Bryan being born, both of Wyatt's acceptable matches may not exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, singles matches, because you know they're gonna think people about what about the Shield versus Wyatt stuff? Oh, you mean when Bro- oh you mean when Brody Lee and, and, and Seth yeah. Rollins and Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns like carried them fucking matches? Oh, okay. Right. Um, this show we were early on. Hey, Luke Harper, Brody Lee is the real uh, guy here. Yep. They have this other dude in there. Yep. Uh, I've never really enjoyed him as a wrestler i hated his feuds i hated his promos they're all all talking riddles um he was a inning eater he was a a classic aj burnett type (laughs) type, um you know pitcher yep 200 innings four and a half era just oh my god um and it's weird because a lot of people like uh bray wyatt and have really like tied their like fandom to him in a way that just weird i don't understand very odd um because ultimately it's about the matches at the end of the day well uh, eventually okay it's supposed to eventually it's supposed to lead to a fight yes 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 uh i I would not go as far as saying american wrestling is about the wrestling because if so then like it will be a lot better in the ring consistently um but but yeah I'm with you. It's supposed to lead. You're you're buying a fight or you're buying a match. Yeah, yeah. Like he, you know, he he had the Hawaiian shirt gimmick and all that stuff in the beginning. Then he was like the whole world in his hands stuff. He then of course became like a good guy, and then like eventually he became the fiend, which is like some of the worst shit that has ever been aired on professional wrestling. I don't care what anyone has to say about it. Yes, it sold some merchandise, which is even funnier that he was a victim of the budget cuts, but um, it's uh, like, I don't like, I don't want to see him in AEW. I don't want to see, like, I echo James' sentiments, like, all that spooky bullshit, the Firefly Funhouse, I was like, what the fuck is this? I'll never forget when the Miz and him did that feud and he was like going after the Miz's child. Uh, he oh comes out God. and he's like smiling and he comes out to that happy music and I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, this isn't like, this is sub zero, like, <laughs> no Mortal Kombat. This is just like, 
And then the Miz is coming out, you know, he murdered Seth Rollins, murdered the Miz. Um, there's like countless people like <laughs> okay that, that think, can, of, think about Jer- benefit. think about Chris Jericho since he came back in 2012 in WWE and think of all the stuff he he um he did right like he couldn't even he couldn't even get a Jericho couldn't even get a cage match over with the Whites like like him being with Randy Orton all those times like the worst WWE title match in the history of WrestleMania yep. at WrestleMania 33. Um, just, I, I want to go through some some of uh, Bray Wyatt's accolades here. Um, so, 2020, most overrated. Worst gimmick, 2017, as Sister Abigail. Remember what that time he he was about to end his own career and Finn Balor's at the same and time? In one foul swoop. And, all, and the only thing that saved it was a platooning uh, travel crew of the uh, Wyndham's and Roman all getting sick. That saved it. That's it. Unbelievable. Also, worst gimmick in 2020 is The Fiend. Worst feud of the year in 2017 versus Randy Orton, uh, which included the House of Horrors match and the bugs on the mat and them burning down the Wyatt compound and like him, him being a dirty swamp wizard Rubbing black, you know, all that um, dirt on himself, and it looks Smut. like he was in he, blackface. He, yes, blackface. Oh. Randy Randy one thing. Yep, yep. Um, 2019 worst feud of the year versus Seth Rollins. Just a comedy of like a parody of wrestling uh, inside that um, Hell in a Cell match. Just like descending into everything from AEW chance to we want refunds to a non finish to a Gallagher like hammer. Um, that is there. Also, worst feud of the year, 2020 versus Braun Strowman, the Swamp Match, just an embarrassment to the profession. A man died in that match. Um, <laughs> worst work match of the year versus John Cena at Extreme Rules. If you don't remember, that's the one where they did the cage match, and he had the child singing outside of the ring. Oh, that's right. And, yeah, the, the child was lip-syncing as a, someone backstage. It sounded like they smoked, like, a since the 80s uh, was singing. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, the worst work match of the year in 2017 versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania 33. Jesus Christ. The worst match of the year versus Seth Rollins in 2019 in Hell in a Cell. And also the worst match Wait. of the year in 2020 versus Braun Strowman. Quick question. 2017 worst match of the year. Which Randy Orton match was it? Was it a WrestleMania match or was it the House yes. of Horrors match? The WrestleMania match. The House of Horrors match was probably worse. I'm going to go with the WrestleMania match simply because. Bigger stage, but just in a vacuum. If I'm going to if I'm gonna run both of them tragedies back to back, like I think I would enjoy the. I think I would enjoy the bugs I on the mat better than than Randy Orton dropping a a fucking uh, refrigerator, refrigerator on top of, of Bray Wyatt and then getting in the limo. Even though Bray Wyatt has a limo, even though he like then teleports and beats Randy Orton to the building, like it's just oh my god, just some of the worst stuff I've ever seen. Just just literally some of the worst stuff I've ever seen. Stay far far away from AEW. Like I would be. Very disappointed. Um, <laughs> if they brought Bray Wyatt in, I would hate it. I will probably go on some type of uh, big rant should that happen. Uh, and quite frankly, welcome. I don't. I don't have any 
<laughs> positive memories. <laughs> like people will, will will default to bring up the Daniel Bryan thing. I'm like, okay, Daniel Bryan's the hottest person in the business, whether Bray Wyatt is there or not. So he was the dude that Daniel Bryan beat up in the cage. Um, and before he stood on top of the cage and did the slow motion yes chant. So that yeah, could have been and anybody. And the only reason why it was over is because like we were sitting here like, wow, this dude has been like yanked out of the title picture. He should be the champion right now. This is bullshit. So people were behind Daniel Bryan no matter what. Like I wouldn't say it could have been anybody, but it damn near could have been anybody in there when that would have gotten that reaction. Like anybody with two with two other goons to get beat up on the uh or to get knocked off the cage from the outside as Daniel Bryan whoops their ass uh, inside the ring. It could have been anybody. Remember when the TV exploded in John Moxley's face when he fought that man? <sighs> yes, it had to be bullshit. Remember, all- remember when Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose were in the main event of Hell in a Cell and remember having an awesome match and then he brings his ass out from underneath yes. the ring out of nowhere at random for no reason whatsoever other than to do the stupid we're gonna pull you from your blood for you but we can't actually beat we can't actually have the babyface win because we're fucking idiots like so yeah it's just they because of this wacky goofy shit he, he's he's been he's done and showcased over his years it led Vince to use him as a crush to do some of the worst, stupidest shit he's ever put on TV. So, like, no offense to anybody that's a, a Bray Wyatt fan, but, like, I don't want him to fuck on anything I watch. I, I don't. Like, if you like him, cool. Watch the bullshit he puts out there and enjoy it. But I, I don't have the patience for it. I don't. Yeah. Then, of course, like, I think, I think of... Arabia. Yeah. Like, I often think of... I'll let you get to your point, but I often think of how much great wrestling there is to watch and how... Like in my amount of time that I allot to the wrestling I watch, how much wrestling I miss every single week that is that I'm thinking like, damn, this wasn't a good show or this wasn't a great show. I I bet there, I bet Noah, all Japan, Seedling, like I uh, marvelous. I think of all the wrestling shows that I could be watching that I'm pretty sure they had better wrestling if I had if I saw a bad show from from wrestling I do watch like Bray Wyatt over the years putting that bullshit on Raw or on SmackDown wherever he was at the time, I sit, I, I'm, I would sit there and be like, wow, like... That man has I, I did, I'd be like, damn. Years. Like, th- I, I, I would watch that shit and sometimes think to myself, wow, bro, like, up until last year, I'd be like, wow, bro, like, I didn't watch all of the G1. But I watched this, but I had, but I spent time investing into this bullshit, right? So... Like I'm always, I'm always feeling like I, I should, I should be watching more wrestling as much as I love wrestling and stuff. And like when I watch shows that aren't really good at the least or or stuff, like I think like all the other shit I could have watched because there's like five other promotions that do that, that do good work that I'm just missing out on because of time constraints. So it's like Barry Wyatt. I think of that just thing like he's put on some of the worst stuff I've ever seen. I watched a shit ton of wrestling. I put some worst stuff I ever seen. Like I don't want him anywhere near anything I watch anymore i don't have to do it anymore i don't watch the main roster anymore right and there's plenty of uh, stuff on the main roster that's way better than any of the uh stuff that, that bray that bray has done over his career plenty of stuff drew mcintyre as much as people want to talk about roman reigns not not ever getting to the fucking point wherever he's going with the uh the usos or whatever else that's still light years beyond anything um bray wyatt's ever came up with with his spooky shit yeah all the spooky bullshit um he got squashed by goldberg of course that led to that big freak out um, it was just like 
for the level of star he was, like anyone else, he was a victim of like them not capitalizing at the right times because they quite frankly don't know what they're doing. But um, it, it's kind of a weird uh, tone that we're taking here because usually it's like, hey, y'all wasted this person. But it's like, all right, y'all wasted this person, and I think this person fucking sucked. So yep. I, I really don't yep. have, like, you know, like. I, f- I feel general empathy for because it sucks because anyone right. that, you know, is that dedicated obviously loses, you know, uh, has their passion basically, like, uh, stunted by getting fired, right? But. Just because he had passion doesn't mean like I, res- I I thought it was good. Like there are plenty of people that are passionate. There are plenty of passionate rappers that I think fucking stink. Like it doesn't matter. I hope he starts his own promotion so we don't, we can just like put that away and we don't have to see it. Like they do Joey Janela's Spring Break, then they do Wyndham Rotunda's spooky shit right after, I, and then I, that's it. I thought you were going to say I hope he starts up with Jared. Oh man, we'll get to that. Um, <sighs> But um yeah, up next. Um uh, so Bray Wyatt, holla. Yeah. Um Best of luck. Man, One Nation Radio always ahead. <laughs> um I don't even feel like this validation is like WWE is clearly something different. They clearly want to do the stuff that he was doing, right? That's why they still have Lily on TV. But it's like It was like they fired a moneymaker for some weird reason. And I would love to, like Right. That's, that's weird. That's weird. That's weird to me. And who, who knows what that means? Like those six thousand dollar belts, which I don't know what the fuck they're gonna do with now. I thought uh, there was seven thousand. I think it was. I thought it was like, and maybe in the middle. Okay, like whatever, that. whatever. Yeah. Um, they. What else did they do? Um, they bought them fucking masks. Um, I've seen a lot more people dress as the fiend than I have as a cowboy. Um, Is that so? <laughs> we gonna get to it. Uh, oh, I was watching AEW Dark Elevation tonight. Uh, Darby Allen was in the main event. They cut to a little kid dressed up as Darby Allen. Mm. Like, hmm. I'm saying, so, uh, you know, why isn't he dressed as a cowboy? Oh. Um, yeah, but up next, uh, Adam Cole. Uh, so, Adam Cole's contract has been the subject of, like, everybody trying to figure out what's going on with it for a long time. And apparently, WWE is also trying to figure out what's going on with it because it apparently fucking expired and they didn't have any idea. Uh, some type of clerical error. This has happened before in the past. This happened with The Rock in 2005. Um, this is, like, I don't Like, obviously, Canyon Seaman was let go. There's, like, kind of some kind of smoke there that has to, like, do with this that people were trying to figure out. But um, Adam Cole has graciously um, cut kind of like a, a one month extension with them to to keep appearing on TV without a contract for like the last month, while you know him and Kyle O'Reilly figured this feud out towards the next takeover. So it's kind of like then, Ray last year, right? Then they'll okay. reevaluate from there. But um, Adam Cole, like. Um, I feel like I don't know if you caught any of my messages earlier, James, but like if you're Adam Cole and you've seen what they are doing to Lee and Cross uh, on the main roster, you're not a very tall man. You want to keep your Twitch channel. Your woman is in another company. Um, they've kind of exhausted everything you can do in NXT. Um, 
you're still the most popular person, even though they've booked you like you've had very odd booking this last calendar year since last summer. From everything to Pat McAfee to like randomly just turning on people to reestablish yourself as a heel again. Um, <laughs> like the form of ba- the ba- the like the form of face turn. It was weird. Yeah, like he um I think you know with, with when instead like you know you you know what was laid out for you in in WWE with him like and NXT is going through this like the seemingly like this crisis within the larger scope of WWE. I think if Adam Cole resigns with WWE with all that He's the dumbest wrestler alive. Like you could walk into the hottest promotion, be with your girl, be amongst friends, be paid either way, and you have all new opponents, all new matches. For me, this is crystal fucking clear what should happen. Um, now, I I don't know how this happens. Like, and they should pretty much be like in with Nick Khan around and the way they're trimming up these budget cuts and everything like that, if he has no future on the main roster, which I mean, he should have already been called up years ago, but if he has no future on the main roster, I don't see them paying him that respect money that basically is like, Hey, you need to like when either like, um, you know, like athletes or even wrestlers, they'd be like, yo, I just want you to, offer me something that shows that you respect me or whatever and everything I've done like it doesn't seem like it's feasible or logical for like the current WWE business plan to offer him that respect money and then just use him in NXT still where he'll be like there's nothing for him to do um I don't get it uh how this happens they should be kissing his ass as far as like because he could have walked out on Dynamite last week, the week before, <laughs> the week before that, the week before that, and just, like, really pull. He could have walked out there like Lex Luger, and he didn't. So, like, one time for professionalism, like, but, like, he didn't have to do that. No, he didn't. Um, I think I think that he respects um, the company, right? And, like, They've treated him pretty well for his tenure, right? He's not like it's not they treat him like he's Dean Ambrose or you know. So like I, I understand like is the relationship seems pretty well. Like he was a four, champion for what fourteen months or something like that. He was he had a he had all time run in the company. Um, regardless of however you feel about that being in being in, in developmental or whatever, but um, yeah, man, like if that's how you know if you treat relationships well. People aren't inclined to like want to fuck you over, right? And also, this comes also comes down to I, I don't want to downplay it, but I also want that also does point out to like people like Ray and Adam Cole, like their seriousness as far as you know, like seeing shit through. <laughs> you know, got see it through, my boy. But um, like whatever happens, happens. Like if uh, all the stuff you said about you know, like. You look at at relationships in this industry, and like this dude was an like ROH the champion. Blowing, the wind is blowing the other way out the door. Yeah, like you look at he when it's time in ROH. You look at the people he was connected with with the elite stuff and the Bullet Club stuff. He was running angles on BTE, 
right? He got murdered by Adam Adam Page. Um, like there is clearly you also have, over the last year and a half or whatever else. Every time there's um, during the pandemic, you would see him and Britt like hanging out with the, with the fellas. Obviously, those are his friends, regardless of being in or out or you know or inside of WWE or outside, whatever else, obviously, but like, there's obviously a relationship there. I'm sure there will be some type of reach out or if there hasn't already been by now, you know, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure like someone has like given him some fears, let him know what's up in a way that's not tampering, but obviously is tampering. So they can't get sued. Right. Um, so he's like, Oh, like actually today was a NBA free agency. Like it's amazing how many contracts got signed at 601 as soon as uh, the, the, the moratorium ended. Right. It's amazing. amazing. Mazel Ball was just immediately a bull, yeah. you know? Yeah. Starts at 6, 601. The scientists start rolling off the table. It's, all, it's almost as if, <laughs> you know? So, um, but to get my point, like, yeah, if I were him, I'd go. For all the reasons you stated, there's nothing left for him to do in NXT. If they're going to move to the main roster, he, I don't think Adam Cole's like I don't think Adam Cole's an an idiot that thinks that like, oh, because I am a great promo that, that I will be able to overcome all the things involving this man in height in this age where like he is doubling down on height now. Like you look like, look at the people he, he brought up to the main roster. Bro, if he goes to SmackDown, like everybody's bigger than him. Like even if he's in the Intercontinental division, like Apollo's like fucking huge. Big E is huge. Uh, Kevin Owens, huge. Sami Zayn's uh, way taller. Sami Zayn's way taller. Uh, then the heavyweight part like there's corbin there there's reigns uh you start thinking about raw seth is way bigger than him um raw you got gender and and shanky and veer and lashley lashley like yeah like randy orton going the other way like the only person you have in his like in the same size class uh size class is like a big star riddle will be another person way bigger than him only person you have uh will be like ricochet aj in ricochet yeah yeah, and Rick and Ricochet, like he's a bottom of the hour guy. Do you think Adam Cole sees himself as a bottom of the hour Jack guy? Riker is out there getting oh, getting Christ. wins on yeah. Raw. Elias, um, almost, almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No matter where you look, there's there's a lot of big big motherfuckers. Like and it, yeah, um, and then, and like Adam Cole's better as a heel. He's always better as a heel. Like, yeah. you think they're gonna give him the carte blanche and free reign to go out there and do what he'll do in WWE? Be like, no, he's too small. It's not believable. And I was like, oh, these motherfuckers just cheat. Like, but anyway, um, yeah, I just, uh, like, ultimately, if you say what's gonna be the most satisfying thing for him in the long run if he was staying in WWE, it would be to stay in NXT. And if he's gonna stay in NXT, it's like, then you might as well just leave, bro. Yep. And I don't even mean, like, go to AEW. I mean, like, if he were to go to, like, Impact. If you were to go to, you know, New Japan Strong, whatever, it's like that would be more interesting than him, like, staying in NXT after he's ran. What, what are you going to do? Wrestle Johnny again? The only people that. What's going to do? Re- Wrestle Roddy? Really hit row. Like, and they don't seem to want to do that yet because, like, like, they keep. They're both hills. Yeah, they keep, like, the Gargano Ciampa Cole, like, unit, like, kind of, like, on their own tier. And it's like people rarely get to like beat them unless you're like someone like Cross or something. But yeah, um, yeah, man. Like there was a there was like a throwaway line in one of the stories. I think it was Dave that said he may Adam Cole may be garnering interest from 
companies that have not even been established yet. Um, so I don't know what that means, except there may be another person laying in the wait, uh, ready to start a new promotion in America, which would be like crazy. to what at what scale do you think though? I don't know um, because AEW is not going to sign everybody that's been released. They haven't signed everybody that's been released. They may yep. be able to get like if you're like say you're this mythical third company, right? That's that can pop up. Like I think you gotta if you go after Adam Cole, make him your top star, and then you're kind of going after those other guys like your Braun Strowman's, your Bray Wyatt's, like. The, the people that you know aren't going to get picked up elsewhere, but like you kind of have a different booking philosophy. I don't know how successful they'd be, but you never know what like starting a new company and like what it could be in this day and age because wrestling is so crazy. Like uh-huh. so many wrestlers, so many spots to be filled. We saw PWG come back last night. Like there's more wrestlers coming. So, um, yeah. So keep that. I don't like I said. I don't have much information on that, but keep y'all eyes open for that so um after that um woo rick flair has requested and been granted his release um uh, saw lots of great jokes how um you know sting was tweeting about flair and everybody wants rick flair to turn on sting one more time um rick flair was, yes um rick flair was hanging out with jim ross at Fight for the Fallen or before because they were tweeting out pictures of their Hall of Fame rings together and shit. And um, I figure with Flair, um, you know, this is coming. And one thing that is happening that I think is kind of becoming a pattern ever since AEW's like kind of been in existence is I'm finding out these legend deals must suck because it's the same story. Um, if you look at it from someone like a big show, a Mark Henry like hey i want to do more and this like little measly thing like hey i gotta always be on retainer for y'all i probably still have to clear everything through you that i want to pursue business wise and give y'all a cut but it's not enough so like flair he's a fucking celebrity so imagine all the like commercials rick flair could be doing he could be leveraging like i feel like eight hey, if he shows up and signs with AEW or something right like, that's a huge thing just for the visibility of AEW. Like, oh, yeah. y'all have Ric Flair still. Um, yeah, and it might, it, that, that might actually kill um, Jim Cornette. <laughs> if Flair goes there. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, but, like, you know, I feel like they'll, they'll leverage, like, stuff they do with celebrity like they'll leverage Ric Flair's celebrity in a way that WWE won't because they just want him to be Charlotte's dad or just a parody or a joke and they're afraid to hand him a live mic uh I would love to have him be handed a live mic on TNT and welcome him home um I'd love to see him reunite with Arn and Tully um I, I'd love to him for him to get in the fold uh, in AEW somehow I want him to. Are you fucking serious? So they go to the playground swing where Alexa's at, and we'll get back to Ric Flair in a second. Um, they they just showed Alexa on the play playground on the swing set, and Dewdrop lays her out. In, in walks 
uh, Eva, Eva then throws the doll down and then they walk away, both of them, both the hills. And then they cut to a different angle and they had the doll rise up. Like it's a horror. Like it's an actual, like it's a, like it's alive. It, it, it literally rolls up like, 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 like uh, like Alistair Black. Yes. I like, Jesus Christ. Uh, God damn it. And then they cut away and now Karen Cross is walking out. Painful. Um, but yeah. Bob, anyway, Bob. back to Flair. Yeah. Like, I've seen Flair in a few commercials recently. And, you know, you mentioned that I wonder how many of these he had to have cleared. And if he can't, you know, and you think about if you can get these commercials even way with the WWE's, like, having to go through the hoops to do that, imagine how much more he could actually do, how much money, more money he could actually make. So I'm with you on that. Um, and you talked about ideas for things he could do in AEW. Uh, you know, the one, what I want is I want him added to Chava Guerrero in the bullpen of English speakers for, for, for his future son-in-law. That's what I want. I, I want Flair and Andrade together. I, that will get him over. Like, I feel like Chava's doing well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like just adding him as well. Like, he's like, I got two, I got two people to talk for me. <laughs> I just, I just think that'd be funny. Just the visual. So, so yeah, like, um, but it, it could do anything with Flair. It's Flair. Ric Flair on BTE. Um, wait, did you say, okay, you yeah. said BTE. I thought you said Ric Flair on BET. I was like, wait, what? I mean, what? He's, probably, he's probably all, you know, <laughs> been there before, but, um, yeah, you know, Ric Flair, uh, mentoring the wingmen. Um, oh, God. Uh, Speaking of. Rick now Blair doing the slow chopped Orange Cassidy. Now you said, "Oh my God!" Now you said that's <laughs> that would break me. That would break me. So you said Ric Flair with the wingman, and that made me think of. The, you ever hear the story about uh, Flair with Ross that Ross wrote in his? I think in one of his books about the limo. I I, I don't know. I, I heard about one at the bar. So I think it's in Ross's book. This is like WD, WCW uh, era, I think, like early 90s. He might have been the booker at the time, right, before uh, Heard came around. So, apparently he's in a limo. Ross is in a limo with him. And there's two women uh, that they brought back from the bar. And all of a sudden, Flair pulls his dick out. God damn it. And, <laughs> and apparently the woman freaked out. Obviously, because like this person, um, this person that ran it whips his dick out, and the women like stop the car and want to get the fuck out. And uh, Ross is like, "What the hell's going on?" And then and then Rick Rick says to him, "You know, if you weren't in this car, it's like a, that was like a seventy percent, some like a high percentage that he was going to <laughs> he was going to fuck both the women without Rick and without without Ross in the car, something like that." I was like, "Yo, this is." He is so lucky to live in the area he was in. Now he'd be yeah. under he'd be fucking done in this town, Jack. Yeah. Right? So um Rick Flair like uh trying to take out Darby Allen and, and Sting having a problem with that. Oh god. Um Rick Flair going ape shit on Kenny, like like you think you're me? Like you like, you're not me. You know? They need to bring in Flair to go to go uh talk for, for Hangman. That's what they need to do. Mm. Um Ric Flair and Cody, like I used to, I used to beat your daddy's ass, you know, all this other shit, and um, 
I think well, I think there's one more horseman style, uh, style beatdown left in them. They can get at the uh, Cody. Yeah. You know, Cody wants to. You know, Cody wants to blade so much. Go ahead, man. Blade off. You know. Oh yeah, I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like like there's just a ton of cool things they can do with Flair that I, and the way like AW is like use their legends seems like it would be respectful. They wouldn't embarrass him unless you know Flair's a ham. Like he'll he'll fucking do it. Flair will try and but, bump too. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, but good to WWE for releasing them. So, um, naturally, that makes people think Charlotte may not be far behind. Uh, of course, we know she has Ashley Flair trademarked for, you know, to be able to use elsewhere. That was like last year when she did that, right? That was like 2019 she did that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, um, I don't know. I, that's, I, I can't predict that or call that, so... Um, oh, I'm not predicting that she's leaving. Like they, they treat her like they treat her great in WWE. I mean, outside of the part where they push her so much that like the fans resent her, but like they treat her, they treat her pretty well outside of that part. It's like they treat her so well they even are treating her bad ultimately, as far as fan backlash. Right. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I mean, who knows where that all goes? But like you know, if he ends up in AEW, cool. Like he's, well, we know he's gonna end up somewhere. Right. Um. Who else? Um, yeah, but I guess we should get to Fight for the Fallen. Um, another newsworthy show uh, from AW, like on this hot ro- roll they've been on. Uh, on this show, they announced, um, of course, the first dance. I'm sorry, Rich. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So they cut the commercial. They, they send Karrion Cross out. They go to commercial break. They come back to commercial break. As they do that, they show the uh, tweets and pictures of... Bianca with Meg, with Meg the Stallion, and yeah. yes, they they put all that on the screen. God damn. Um, yeah. So, in oh my god. So then, after they show the pictures, they cut the cross in the ring, and now as they cut the cross in the ring, they're showing cross a video across backstage with 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 the uh, the sun or the um, the uh, what is the t- the sand the time thing that flips? What's it called? Yeah, the no, time. Yeah, the time glass. It, it showed. They brought the time glass back for him. Boy, he he's he 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 might be DOA. He might be DOA. Finito as NXT champion. They need to need to get it off him. It's even worse. Chief need Keith to get it off him. Finito and Chief Keith. But um, yeah, Keith, fight for oh, the ball. Wow, it's uh, Keith Lee versus uh, Karen Cross again. Apparently. Oh my god, they're gonna do the fifty-fifty deal. Oh my god, they don't care about either of them boys. Oh yeah, um, we know that. So and, and it's coming up, up on that week that Keith Lee uh, said that he would explain whatever's going on. So I'll be uh, on the lookout tomorrow. Um, so they were in North Carolina. Go ahead and raise up. Um, this was a uh, what is going on, bro? Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, we, we will get to. I need to turn this fucking thing off. As their Keith Lee enters, they're showing pictures of when Keith Lee beat Randy Orton at Payback. Who cares? Like, that's not... Connect- Bro, he lost to Randy Orton after that anyway. Like... No, no, Rich. That was last summer. This is 2021. He lost last week. Who gives a fuck if he beat Randy Orton se- or, uh, almost a year ago? Right. No one cares, B. Um... <sighs> Like that's not how y'all tell stories in this company. Like, 
And the writing's and Orton's not even on TV. See, they 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 reaching, um, just trying to uh, have something to, to grasp onto for them. But we opened up uh, fight for the fallen with the ten man elimination tag match with the elite taking on Hangman Page in the Dark Order. And man, these entrances, uh, stark contrast. One of them's dead serious. One of them is not. Um, both of them were very unique for what they did. Um, the Dark Order one was, I, I think that was the most attention-grabbing thing for Hangman Page, possibly since they linked him and Kenny Omega were a tag team. Um, that was, I thought it was an excellent video. Uh, great narration, and like, I think it, it got over really big. It did with me. I thought that vignette um, before they came out and talked about like basically that a cowboy is, is, is could be an any man, right? It's almost like a fucking commercial for like advertising for. I thought it was a Wrangler commercial. <laughs> I was gonna say a, I was gonna say a joke, something like that, right? I was gonna say something like tractors is for every, for the every man or some shit, but like, but it basically established that like. He is fighting for something greater than himself in like in that being like Dark Order his friends. And like all this stuff about Keith, about Adam Page and the story is really about him and his actual self-confidence issues, I find to just be like Why should I care about his self-confidence issue? Either fight or don't. Either fight either fight really hard or don't. Like I, Like You know what I'm saying? Like these people are supposed to be kind of like athletes and like that doesn't really like you can't sell a fight or you can sell a real fight on that. You know what I'm saying? Like in, so for me, it's like, I, I don't find it to be really interesting. I find it to be kind of lame. So like this part where like, he's not just doing this for him. He's doing this for his friends to get his friends, a title, a tag title shot. I thought was really cool. And then he comes out and they're all, you know, in the, in the black and he comes out in the black and purple, the, the, the dark order, uh, colors and they have the the, the bandanas on. I, I loved it. I loved it. I thought this was that narration and that was like the best thing that that he's ever or that's ever been done for himself. Um, that's ever been done for his character. Uh, so you know he don't talk for himself except for like uh a couple weeks ago. So like I, I loved it. Like so I want to give them high praise for that because like. It finally made me feel something for him, except for like, oh yeah, he's a guy that you like he does archetypical stuff that you're supposed to like. Like he drinks beer, so he's cool and he's just like a cowboy. Like, no, I don't relate. Really, I, I don't really drink much, and like, I don't give a fuck about cowboys. <laughs> I don't fuck them horses. I don't care. Like, in that cattle, I don't care. So, so yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I thought it was. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I really did. Yeah. After that, we got the elite coming out, um, doing a parody of like the Chicago Bulls interests and, um, Kenny getting introduced as Kenny Arrow Omega, um, Carl Anderson and, and Gallo's getting billed from Tokyo, Japan. Carl Anderson's wearing 2012 on his back. Um, like we need the oral history from Carl Anderson, like a mockumentary of him talking about going to the 2012 G1 finals. Not winning, just going to the final. Just going to the final. So yes. annoying. Go away. Like this man's living off that. That man's living that shit for the rest of life. God, Gail. Look, Gail recently has come under under like actual 
legitimate criticism for some of the stuff he's done. Like, before, like, before the evil thing in Dick Togo, before the Dick Togo era of New Japan Pro Wrestling, there's very little things to actually criticize him for. But, in the, in the long-term ramifications of what this has caused, where this man is still on fucking wrestling and I have to watch... <laughs> That's the worst thing. This might be the worst of Fisgato's ever done up until Dick Toko. I still have to watch him. And, it's, and actually, Curtin is not the worst. It's Gallows. Gallows is the absolute worst. Curtin is a perfectly fine wrestler. Perfectly fine wrestler. He can go out there. He has good matches when he wants to. Gallows is like one of the worst wrestlers that gets major minutes on the American major Amrest. He just is. He stinks. These guys. They didn't even finish top three last year in our Finesse of the Year thing. Y'all better vote for them this year. They're on three different shows on national television. And they should be on one. They shouldn't be on one. It's over the fact that they're like, they got, they got to have, they, they must have the best drugs. They must have the best drugs that they share with their friends. Man. Uh, Not necessarily leading to my everybody. Like they must be the coolest motherfuckers backstage because it makes no sense. Like the sell, bruh, they sold, a pay-per-view once they got fired on the fact that, like, it was going to be shitty wrestling. It was going to suck. And it worked. I, I give yeah. up. I give up. Yeah. Um, so the Elite came out with the Elite Squad jerseys, like Space Jam parody. Yeah. Dribbling the basketballs. Don Cowles got the short shorts on, like like a coach from the 70s. Well, high just, socks. Just a ham. Or not high socks, but tube socks. Yes. Uh, they run down and break through the damn banner, shooting jumpers, dunking and shit. And I'm fucking dying laughing. Like, this shit was hilarious. And they came out to, like, nah, Space Jam. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, I almost got it there. They they had basketballs. They start dribbling at the top of the rim. Kenny almost lost his fucking handle. I was like, boy. <laughs> better better than what happened to Nick. Oh, we're getting to that. We we I didn't forget. I damn sure remember that. I was like, boy. Botchamania, put that, that that needs to go on Botchamania. You can, yeah. you're jumping off the apron and you cannot dunk on an eight foot rim. So funny thing was, um, they showed footage on BTE where they were practicing it before and he did it just fine. So it was funny. Um, but yeah, uh, five on five match. Uh, this was incredible. Uh, this is like one of the better, like survivor series style matches you'll ever see. Um, crazy environment as far as like how over everyone else was everyone was working at a extremely fast pace um big eliminations and uh racing doing wild shit jumping jumping and diving and landing on on the floor uh if need be um doing they they got a nice classic double dq or double count out thing in here which is funny because it was doc gallows i was like doc gallows you are nasty for this uh somehow he, he avoided managed to uh, avoided getting pinned which is fucking hilarious um there was a uh, nice sequence with kenny evil uno that i like a lot uh there was a silver and matt jackson um sequence that was good and then it all pretty much came down to hangman at the end of the day against kenny and the bucks and after like you know uh, like like basically they started like like hangman started like firing up like saying hey ain't nothing you're gonna do that's gonna beat me he was kicking out a bunch of shit they were subverting your expectations with the belt shots um that they used to eventually put him down he ended up pinning matt jackson um 
when he hit a uh, double, uh, what the fuck is his move called? A buckshot uh, lariat on the Bucks. But at the end of the day, he loses, catches the one wing angel, um, and he loses his title shot uh, for the time being, or however they're doing it. Uh, no no t- uh, title shot for the uh, tag team either. And I cheered. <laughs> you cheered? I cheered. I, you I cheered. cheered. I cheered uh, at the end of this match. Um, you know. Do you really good. hate Hangman that much, or is it just like you you, you want him? You want if if it or wait, let me finish. Or is it like, well, if he's if he's a challenger, then like he actually is a threat to Kenny Omega's title reign. I don't want it to no, end yet. I, I, okay, I don't care. I don't care about that. Like, okay, if Kenny can lose the belt tomorrow. I'm like, I'm fine. Like, then he gets to go have like you know, he gets to fight all the imports after that. Um, but they uh. I, no, I was I was happy because I I liked the match I liked what they did and then it was just like they they like fuck with everyone like they everyone thought they knew what was going what was, what was happening right here and apparently Heyman's not going to be on all out so this is a way to get him out of there um, we've been kind of calling this like in a, in a way like saying that hey it's not the time right now on this show for like what a month so like i didn't have a problem with it i think people are being very dramatic about what's going on here um and it's just like you you made up made a great point the other day when we were talking to the group chat i'll, I'll throw it over to you uh i i don't remember i don't even remember what i'd be saying bro <laughs> so like to like if you're upset about this oh yeah yeah, yeah. like they're going um, Cross just got beaten by a spirit bomb. Um, fifty fifty G unit. Yep. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I, w- I was saying like if if this is indeed a the if he is a long play for the title chase and like yeah, like he's going to lose, he's going to fail. It happens like. That's the point of the title chase. Like you, you believe in somebody. They things happen. They protected him pretty. They protected him very, very well. Like he was in there with his geek incel cult friends against the the world champ, the world heavyweight champion. I'm sorry, the world champion, the world tag team champions, and like a team that has been tag champions all around the world. Unfortunately, so um, yeah, like. Him losing three hundred one to the to literally all of the men champions that we have except for Rusev or sorry uh, Miro like he shouldn't beat them three hundred one. Are you kidding me? Like if you're saying they should have came up with a different story for a match, sure, why not? Um, but I thought I I thought he was going to win. I would have had him to win if if they done all this or whatever else. I but honestly I would have done all this like three months from now. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. So they, they they pulled a trigger on it and then they beat him and I thought like wow like I wasn't expecting that but just because I didn't expect it doesn't mean it's an awful idea like the match's still gonna happen eventually right. and they're gonna do it and people are still gonna love it when it happens he may even like if they had the match now I would have had I would have thought like the smart decision would have been to beat him 
And that would have been, in, his, in, in a lot of people's eyes, I feel like in most people's eyes, that would have been more damaging than this loss here where he lost the real one to the Young Bucks. They gave him everything. And they gave him everything. He had a ton of shit. Like, he did everything except for kick out a one-wing angel. And quite honestly, I thought that he, I thought there was a 25% chance he was going to put his shoulder up. Mm-hmm. And then f- have Kenny freak the fuck out, and then he's going to drop him another one and then beat him. That's what I thought was going to happen. But that didn't mm-hmm. happen. Just beat him one. But that was after he had got destroyed by a million things that should have, he would have kicked out. He got like four different things before he ended up getting pinned. So, in cheating, in a belt shot. Like, so it was like, they, they did right by him. And then just like, just beat him and say, you're, you know, you're one of Roman Reigns' victims. So yeah, I I think um there's there's a segment of fans being absolutely hyperbolic about him. Um, chances are they're ones that enjoy Monday Night Raw, which is like funny because they they have no um reference for how you know <laughs> you can you can still get somebody over and and the uh, the trust that has been built, um you know in this company with with the audience like you can take these quote unquote chances, um and. This is a this is a long ride. Um, like, right. Like I'm sorry. Like he, he's gonna need more than beating Team Taz, who basically never won. Ain't even Team Taz. It was just Brian himself. Cage. Right. Well, I mean, he fought the other two on TV also, but I don't even remember um, that. No, wait, wait. The other two. Like who be other two? I thought. Oh yeah, Starks. He broke Starks' neck. I forgot about yeah. that. I forgot about that. But like, aside from that, like we we've gone over the, the razor thin resume um, from this calendar year. It's right. Like. Where's the numbers? Like, where's the the feuds that are, have been able to headline something? Like, where's there's a lot of unanswered right. questions with him. Like, if he's not stable to the elite, like the work is like the resume is thin. This like, yeah, this in the last like eight months or yeah, eight months. And like the thing is like, if you want to say, well, that's unfair, be like, okay, let's take a gander at his 2019 when he was out there going toe to toe with Pack. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, there was a point in time when they were actually giving him something to actually do to build towards build towards um, something. And they basically just kept him out there just chill. He was basically chilling for eight months and then, or basically like seven months. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, well, now you were going to put you to the dial picture. And it was like, that's not satisfying. Like, why, should, why is he more deserving of, or, or um, drama or, uh, belief from the fan base from someone that's not in the title picture to get to the title picture than Darby. Or after that match they did, Orange Cassidy, because there's still a story left to be told for him to get a singles match, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, for me, it was like, if they do it, cool, seems early, because, like, for me, I think that, like, he should, given the story that they told how grand it's been, like, it's deserving of a title change to him become the champion. And... Mm-hmm. The way that they have built him compared to how they built a previous champions where, like, they have Chris Jericho beat Kenny Omega and Heyman to become AEW champion. They had John Mossy go through the entire inner circle to then beat, um, <clears throat> sorry, uh, to then beat, I'm blanking, oh, I'm blanking Chris Jericho to be, become the AEW champion. They had Kenny Omega beat, was it, was it Phoenix or was it, uh, or was it Penta? Penta, right? Pentagon. Yeah, beat Pentagon, then beat Hangman, to then turn heel to beat Moxley. Like you had people actually beat top level people or whatever else in a in a all in different ways that all were interesting in their own way to get to that. Like this has not been it, quite frankly. And not to say that like if they do it and 
and I had more faith that they would actually like have an idea of getting get to actually get them there in a way that made like narrative sense that of uh, him building up and you know quote unquote deserving it or changing as a character to sacrifice to get to that point than what they had done now because they hadn't done nothing. It was like. Oh, he's still down in the dumps, but he's hanging out, and his friends are such geeks that they're like letting him just do what he wants and drinks and mope. So, like, his friends say, "Hey, we believe in you." It's time. And he's like, "Okay, I'll go out there and I'll challenge Kenny." It's like, right, right. That's not right. that's not inspiring to me at all. Like, like bro, so, like, where's his like, where's his like, um, like passionate feud like against somebody like th- he could really use like a classic feud at from this point on before he goes back for the title like him versus Mox or like him versus Cody or him versus fucking Miro Miro like something like you know because like I can always point at Ethan Page and Darby Allen like right there like where's his version of that like you gotta I feel like you gotta lay the groundwork before you get the title because if you get the title uh, especially with all the imports on the way in maybe one of the imports he can fight but yeah. the imports that are coming in, it's all going to overshadow this guy. If he's, he's the he's the B side of the, the it, like off rip, he's the B side until further notice. Once they like plug him in with Daniel Bryan or CM Punk or let's say Adam Cole or You're anybody, right. it's like because it, like say Kenny Omega drops from the championship position and he gets to fight one of the imports while Hangman has the belt. Now you can do it, but like in a ideal promotion. Like in my mind, I'm like, yo, you can put the belt on somebody that can be the number one star for you. Like the good thing about AEW is they have a couple guys that have rotated in that position. And yeah, but to this point, it's never, but to that point, it's never been Adam Cole, and that's the problem that we're talking about. Like or Hangman Page, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I meant. Sorry, like, and that's the problem. Is like, hey, you need to put him in a position where he's in some feud that goes a main event, is that he can main event like three out of five straight dynamites and then you and then all of a sudden like in a in like six weeks after that you you're he's there like right. they did that they did that work with darby they did they have not done that with him like right. they are banking on all the stuff from the beginning of 2020 to then like you know pull up a year and change later to drive this and it's like that's cool for now but if you make him the champion, and then Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are not involved in t- a staple to him, then what? And it was it was interesting, like that you know we had this conversation, uh, more or less this conversation, um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, Sir Sam he disagreed with me, and then ultimately he was like, "Yeah, I don't think you should be champion either." And I was like, well, <laughs> "If okay, so you fundamentally disagree with me." But you, but you agree with the end point of what I'm getting at. And it's like, I didn't ask him what his reasons were, or maybe I forgot, but it was kind of like, I feel like you're disagreeing with me just to disagree with me. Mm-hmm. And obviously he, I'm sure he has some reason. I didn't, I didn't, um, I just don't remember our, or, or whatever, but then, or we didn't get into it, but it was like, huh? Okay. So like he's hot as fish grease. We comes out huge reaction, but it's like, where you know we talked about the the the, the face paint with uh with with kids and people in the crowd cosplaying as Orange Cassidy and stuff. It's like I don't really see that level of of being into it as opposed to like, well, he's the guy that everyone wants to be super hot, and we you know the young bucks and Kenny Omega piss us off. So like, 
and we think that he's gonna be throwing him so they're like we, we were rooting for him and like yeah for a lot of promotions that's that's just more than enough but this promotion seem like has been really 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 good at like getting someone hot and it being the right time and everyone knows it's going to happen like and then it happens and like with him it's like he doesn't feel like he is he's going to run off like you know a half year of of super compelling main event television um as a champion not attached to kenny omega it just doesn't seem like that at least right at least right now like there's still work to be done. I'm sure they'll get to that point. And that's the thing with them. Like I have so much faith in their booking, given what they've given me um, since 2019 to believe that like they'll get there with him. Cause they believe in him, obviously, but yeah. you know, there's a process and it's almost like, it's almost like fans of like, cause they've been so burnt by WWE impact or TNA, what do you want to call it? That like they fit, they feel like they're about to have the rug pull from underneath them. And it's like, they he's have not just start getting over. He's he's gonna get moved out the way for your part timers, um, your your your, or, your Daniel, uh, your CM Punk's, Daniel Bryan's, Christian Cage, like shit like, that. like like they think he's like done and finished and like no. it's over. Like no, like, he's not. Nah, man. Like that's not, that's how that's how that works over in New York. That's not how that works in Jacksonville or pretty or quite frankly, like almost everywhere else outside of America. Like. Like, this is a, this is a long term promotion. Do you remember when Kazushiko Okada was crying at the dome, James? <laughs> oh, the first time we ever saw him. Yes, I I I vividly remember that. Yes, <laughs> like like I'm sorry, losing a three on one, you know, uh, situation. I, I I don't seem to em- empathize um, as deeply with that. Like in yeah. It, you mentioned the Okada thing, and I'm thinking myself like, think of how people melted down when Okada beat Naito or some at Wrestle Kingdom 12, right? Like they they ruined it or whatever else. Those same people, two whole entire years later, were so happy, even though Naito was out there fucking with a with a Holy knife, God, with a fork stuck in his back, as far as the being a main eventer uh, of that caliber of New Japan main event uh, uh, title match guy, like. They didn't care. They were just happy that it happened. Like, I don't one, think one day you will be very happy. That, that's where I'm getting at, right? Yeah. And when it happened, all these people are saying this, all these things, and I don't know if it's in good faith. They're trolling, whatever else. And I'm just like, look, man, I'm gonna cut the bullshit to you. I'm gonna cut the shit with all y'all and get straight to the point. This year, I had one of the greatest babyface uh, title chase I've ever seen in my life completed after a 779 day run. Uh, in stardom and at no point did I ever lose faith that they were eventually going to get to town and look what happened and you look at the the grand and we'll get to it this weekend with uh, the Grand Prix and it's like stardom is on running on all fucking cylinders like people are in their fucking they're they're peaking right now like character wise in the ring wise all that like there's like eight people that are all just like doing just gangbusters and like mm-hmm. I get that same energy out of out of AEW when I watch it. Like I see Sammy, who was a who was a fucking a jobber for for the hill, the top hill faction for for a whole year and change, right? I see uh, Orange Cassidy. I see um, the Young Bucks and or the Elite in general. I see Moxley 
even while doing all these jobs for people, still like giving people like these big moments and big wins, putting people over um, or whatever else. And he's gonna get, he's gonna have his time back when he gets back settled and all that kind of stuff. Like there are so many acts AEW all peaking and kicking ass at the same time. It's like if we gotta move him and put him with someone else and to make this shit work, like I have faith in them as bookers, given what they've done the last two weeks. If you don't. I don't know what to tell you. This is not WWE. They're not going to hurt you like the last guy hurt you. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that baggage is I, like, let go of that baggage. Yeah. Like, you still tripping over your ex. <clears throat> Look, Tony Khan ain't never did nothing wrong to you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Khan's going to make you feel good at the end of the day. <laughs> he, you know? Look. That look that I'm, I'm not even gonna go down that route. I'm about to say I'm about to say a bunch of stuff. I'm about to say that man cooks, that man cleans, that man loves. I'm about to say how that man do all all the gender uh all the messy household stuff. That man take care of you. So look, just if you've enjoyed the ride so far in AEW, uh. I don't see. I don't see any reason to doubt them now. I just don't. I think this is part of this is a chapter in the grandiose scheme to get or not scheme the grandiose plan to then get Hangman where he deserves to where it's like or where they want him to be. Where he eventually is a champion. He has all the equity built into him. He actually like speaks for himself and is actually like has his own agency and all of that. And like he has sacrificed everything to then get to this goal. And then you're super happy for him, and then he's just super this champion that like you just believe in because it's all there besides just like he's fighting the guy I want that's cheating all the goddamn time. Like I, I just I think I think people are getting worked into like the old age, you know, the old WWE stuff of like just like they're gonna kill the baby face. Like no, this company has been just great with baby faces. There's no reason to doubt them now. You know, the last time they had a baby face champion, you know, it was probably like the best you know american champion since like john cena in like the mid 2000s or something yeah um and don't lose sight of like you know the guy they have the fucking belt on is like hotter than the sun right now so right. cutting him off is like in a way bigger star yeah. like that's just that's just being real like it's still a business like they could they will tell they will get to that story they will get to that story like the plan is, the idea is to get hangman close enough up that up that status with the Jerichos, the Cody's, the Moxleys, um, some of the other guys that may potentially be coming in, like Punk and, and Brian, and then he can stand toe to toe with it, and it's not looking like, oh well, Charity. this yeah, right, like you got to have a point to where like you make the champion and go out there and earn it or whatever, or not necessarily earn it, but but it's like we believe he's gonna earn it even if he's not quite there yet. Like they did that with Utami and Stardom, mm. like they took the belt off Mayu. Mayu's a bigger start than her. And you, and you hurt in like what is she going every play, every pay per view she goes out there and proves it. Right. So like, I think that I think um I think there's patience to be needed, which is funny because like we're always I I was like hearing all this stuff is like everybody is so into him in a way that is like I just don't I don't fa- I can't I almost can't fathom right compared to especially compared to Darby and then. Like this happens, I'm like, why do I have more faith that like everything's gonna end up fine than y'all do? Why are y'all freaking out like this? This is weird. This is really weird. But I mean, I, I, feel, I feel like we've talked like 20 minutes on on the whole situation. But yeah, I think um I think they're gonna be fine. I think it's fine. I don't mean fine like the house actually burning around me is fine. I mean like I, I'm legitimately have I have faith 
I have faith yeah. in what they've done. I have I trust in the process. Okay. It'll be okay. Yes, relax. Make you feel good. But um, yeah, after that, there was a Ricky Starks FTW uh, Championship celebration. Uh, they had the second line out there. You know, he's from New Orleans, and uh, they were playing the instruments. He basically did some pew pew shooting on um, Brian Cage. Cage stumbled out, and this was just a dark elevation segment that was on TV. Um, I felt and- like Starks was cutting was delivering very well, but like I. I don't know what they're doing with Brian Cage. Like, are they turning him hill? Is he just bucking against the people that turned on him? Like, uh, in like, ultimately, what does that mean for both of them as, as it's over? It's, it's rough for, for Cage because, like, he comes out there. There's no sense of coolness to him. Like, the, the cool guys are all the guys that are left in Team Taz. So, it's hard if Cage is not wrestling because he can't just be this menacing guy like he was when he was fighting Moxley and he was showing up shirtless and doing all this funny shit where it was absurd. Now he's just like coming out there shirtless and it's just like bro, put a shirt on. What are you doing? Like, I I don't know. It's weird. But then a video played from New Japan legend Hiroshi Tanahashi on AEW Dynamite that, uh, that, that relationship getting deeper and stronger I see. He said he's going to be challenging the winner of Lance Archer and Hikaleo tonight. Man. And it was just like, wow, Tanahashi, the ace, is here on TNT. I love it. Yes. It, I, I like the line where he's like, I'm going to take that belt in a snap. I was like, this is the one. Like, if there, like when people talk about um, the, the difference, the language barrier in wrestling and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, there is no doubt in my mind that if Hiroshi Tanahashi was 10 years younger mm-hmm. and he showed up in AEW, he might be the fucking ace of AEW and the biggest fucking star of the company. While I'm not speaking the language. Like, he's, like, we know, like, we, we know how Tanahashi. great he is and all that stuff, but like, in the ring, what he, his charisma, the way he presents himself, the way he, the way he carries himself like a champion, all that stuff, like, he like that shit is universal in a way that's like, it, like I feel like it's it's really weird. Like I feel like he's like the perfect Japanese wrestler to have came over here and it just never happened. Like, bro, he would instantly figure out American wrestling. Like, he does American on, wrestling on, on a way higher level yes. than like Nakamura. Yes. Like, yes, and which is crazy because uh, Nakamura is. Nakamura's in third gear and he's been in like four. I bet they love him in WWE, right. right? Like, he's Hiroshi Tanahashi has the ability to make grown people feel like children when they <laughs> see him. Like, he's just he's he's so he's a legend, man. Like, um, think of that Jericho match at Wrestle Kingdom uh, 15 or was that 14? 15. 15. It, it, that match made me so happy, like, right? <laughs> and that's when I was like. Yeah, man, it ain't just it ain't that much of a theory anymore that like I think this could this could actually like he could have been like at that level. It's like I now know, right? Because that was that was a straight up like paper like WWF like mid two thousands pay per view match. So yeah. so yeah, like I, I'm happy. Uh, I would love him to come over here for AEW. Um, w- jury's still out on that. Um, we'll see yeah. when it comes to 
uh, resurgence with him in, against um. Well, do you want to finish the match? Uh, actually, let's yeah, go through the match, and we'll talk about uh, all the um, all the aftermath. Up next, we have FTR against uh, Santana and Ortiz. Oh, well, oh I'm sorry. Well, Archer beat Hikaleo, right? Yes. Or, or was that was that the next it match or no? No, it was it was after. Oh my bad. Yeah, so match was okay. It wasn't nothing to talk talk about. Like, um, they had that freak finish uh, because Harwood slices his arm, or excuse me, Wheeler slices his arm uh, on like the side of the, like the ring post or something like that. He was bleeding a gusher, but he's okay, uh, luckily. And but this match, it seems like there was they were on second, they were on after the um, the unbucks, the bucks, then. You know the five on five, and it was like you you brought up something that was, was pretty funny. Yeah, uh, I would tell Tony Khan to never have uh, FTR follow the Young Bucks ever. Um, no, no disrespect, but like, and obviously, you know, something terrible happened in that in the match. But and it was actually weird because like I didn't even realize it until all of a sudden, like at like towards the tail end of the match, like something happened to a uh, hair. So yeah, I, um, but either way, like just in a vacuum, don't do that. You're setting them up for failure. Like when the Young Bucks give a damn, like they're they're just better than FTR. And also, like think of think of all the stuff that was involved in that match. Like of course, it, of course, that crowd was going to just be zapped with whatever was going to follow it. Yeah. Um, FTR ended up getting a win in their hometown um, <laughs> in Carolina. So presumably, I, I'm going to guess there's a rematch that happens in Arthur Ashe Stadium, and maybe Santana or Ortiz get that. If not. You know, maybe all out, and then whoever wins gets a title shot at Arthur Ashe. But um, going forward from there, we got Britt Baker and Rebel. Britt teases like she's got extra help coming, so I don't know. Maybe Britt Baker is getting a faction or something uh, to go around her and Rebel. Um, after that, then we got Tony Schiavone revealing the big AEW live event. Uh, AW Rampage, August 20th, the first dance, and it's going to be in the United Center, the house where Michael Jordan, uh, the house Michael Jordan built, the fucking statue outside. Uh, I'm going to need Kenny Omega to, to pose outside uh, next to the statue uh, with the belt up. Um, and then, you know, as they're saying United Center in Chicago, we all kind of know what this means. Like, we see that first dance I mean, thing. the crowd started chanting CM Punk. Yep. In a good way, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they flash backstage and Darby Allen and Sting hanging out in the boiler room. Where else would they be? Um, you know, Darby don't seem like he really fraternized too much, but... Um, I thought you were going to say he don't really seem like he hangs out in, in, in good lighting. I thought that's what you were about to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he likes it real dark in the room, if possible. Um, he said uh, AEW is where people prove themselves and even if you're, there's no better place, and even if you're the best in the world, and then the crowd lost it. Darby sold thirteen thousand tickets right there because this event promptly sold out. Um, they sold, I think, all but like a thousand tickets on the Friday, and they were gone in five minutes on Monday. This company's hotter than the sun. Yeah, man. Um, okay, so. Do you think they are currently hotter than they were before they were headed to Blood, Blood and Guts in Jersey? Yes. Wow, like they're that's well impressive. Over, they're well over a million every time. They've got several big arenas rolled um, uh, going in debt because not only do they have the Arthur Ashe, they have Newark the week before that no one's talking about. Um, they have 
four Chicago shows that are gonna like be sold out essentially. Yeah. In the same market. That that's like that doesn't fucking happen like in that short amount of time. Um See what happens when you treat your fans well? Yeah. And then not resent like, them. Like if I lived near Chicago, like I would go. Like <laughs> um but yeah, I think they're I th- I think they're on another level right now and um punk coming in like this is this is pretty much they're telling you without telling you that that is cm punk they're doing everything but literally saying hey idiots cm punk will be will be in the fucking united center be there tune in they've done everything but that and like should a punk versus darby allen if you like pop off like that's even more um what we're saying what darby is doing out here he's laying his fucking his resume out if you add that on to what he's already done it's like what the fuck is like like there's no question he's the fucking guy like i hope y'all realize it so um maybe one day you know it's, it's just a longer uh thing for him like you know maybe he's the one to win it from njf one day or i don't know hmm. interesting I, I i i haven't thought about the about the the fantasy booked uh one nation radio uh aw world title know. lineage uh in a, in a minute but uh i i forgot where we left off as i think did we leave off at warlow i can't remember we we... Off at warlow okay. like the, okay. the fifth champ or what the the sixth champion okay the handman would be the fourth mjf would be the fifth right warlow would be the sixth i don't know who would beat warlow from there uh um, yeah maybe yeah. maybe you know maybe it ends up being like you said maybe it is darby yeah um but yeah they sold tons of fucking tickets this weekend. Another L for you know motherfuckers that just just got problems with it. Um, after that, we had are, are they still okay? So like, have we figured out like when is the final test? How many more tests do they need before like we find out this thing is like a stable thing? Like what? Well, like me, I, me and Dan started talking about the real test for AEW, like how we always used to hear it, like the first like four weeks of the promotion and uh, the first like after the pay per views and. The real test never comes. It seems like, like I, I, it, it feels to me like the real test like ended like once they got the Kevin Durant uh, money for uh, for the TV contract. Like that's that's four years right there. Yeah. Like what what is there left to discuss? Like like, like stop listening to grifters like Jim Cornette. Like like give it up, man. Like don't don't do that to yourself. Yeah. Didn't Cornette predict they'd be out of business by now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you guys are smart listeners that listen to One Nation Radio, so, like, I know y'all ain't listening to, like, Cornette seriously. Like, you're not taking it to heart. You're, you're probably listening to him for entertainment if you do it all. But, um, yeah, in the mud, like, swimming in the mud, backstroking in the mud, breaststroke in the mud, you know, spinning around in a circle in the mud, like, whatever, in the mud, like, lots of it. Um, mud men, you know. But um, <laughs> I was in my mind. I thought of cucking in the mud, and I was like, <laughs> and that, so that's why that's why I made that face. I was like, God damn it! My brain thinks of the stupidest stuff. Um, yeah, yeah Archer and uh, Hikaleo. This was a all right big man match. I think Hikaleo's got good potential. He's tall as fuck. Like, yeah, he's just just looking directly over Lance Archer's head into the front row. Like, just amazing. Uh, quite frankly, um, Haku fucking comes out there like ha- King Haku's just showing up, and that's like the eighth craziest thing that happens on the show. I'm, who? Uh, Haku. This is WCW. That's Ming. Oh, Ming. <laughs> I, 
Look, I'm sure he called himself Haku. I was like, that's Ming. I don't know what it is. That's Ming. Yeah, I was surprised they didn't let him spike somebody. He he did the tongue and death grip to um, yes, Lance he did. Archer. Um, so that was funny. Haku still looks like he'll fucking kill you. Yes. By the way, um, then how many got, how many how many more wrestlers does he have on deck? I feel like there are more that we don't know about. Probably, probably. Like he's got at least like like he's got the fucking God. Right. And then Hikaleo. Like right. I don't know like what much more you need, but like they've got to have like. Maybe there's like a smaller wrestler they have, or something. They can have a junior heavyweight or something. Smaller wrestlers? Do you th- you think me? You think Ming? Sh- you think Ming produces small children? <laughs> what, what what have you seen so far to make you think they get bigger every single time? Isn't the, isn't the oldest Tamatonga? Yeah, I don't think he's as legit. I don't think he's as like biological. Okay, uh, so so okay, so so, so, so so just hang a little. Look, yeah that. Ming don't Ming don't produce small children. Period. Or, or look, they're small when they're born, but I mean, like they grow up and they're gigantic. Then up next, we get an all-time moment in the history of this show. Cody Rose is about to be interviewed at the uh, gorilla position. Cody starts talking about in the world these days, and then all of a sudden, you know, Malachi Black's foot just flashes across the screen like this black blur, and it just and it just hits Cody smooth in the face, and it's on. And they uh they they Probably fight into too. they fight into an equipment chest, they climb up uh, the ramp, go through gorilla, and they end up fighting on the ramp. And um Cody mounts a little bit of a fight until they get separation and then uh Black lays him out with a V with a, a V trigger or jumping knee, whatever you want to call it, jumping knee strike. So the uh Cody's out, just completely out, sold it like death. Uh people come out to try to attend to him. Uh Fuego del Sol comes out. And that man gets chopped in half with, with the fucking uh, spinning heel kick. Yeah, laid out with the black mass, and I'm just like, we might have to bring back the jump zone, Rich. <laughs> we, might, we might have to bring out back the jump zone. And I saw that shit, and and immediately like, because you know, Cody, Cody, he's promo, he's the promo guy, as you always call him, and we feel like he's been to go on one of those, and like. Funny this in, in oh, this day true. and time, and like trying to contextualize the time he's in. Nah, fuck that. Hold this. Let's run it. And then I'm gonna knee you in the face, lay you the fuck out. And anybody else wants, wants to come up and help you seriously, and they help you, they can get it too. They can catch a, a spinning back roundhouse of justice. I look, man. This is the best thing that Cody has done since he uh or since the uh the whooping. This is the best. This program, honestly, the best thing since the MJF program. I love this, and it's light on the the promo and rah rah stuff. It is basic, simple. We like this one guy, some guy that that we know of and familiar with, has came out and challenged him, and has whooped and has just comes out and just he's cut one promo. Other than that, it's just been about just fighting and hatred. I love this. I love this. Less is more sometimes. Not everything needs to be your friend turned, your, your your eighth friend turned on you and whatever and go through all that stuff. Sometimes you like, you need a palate cleanse. This is a great palate cleanse for Cody. Yeah, he about to get the brakes beat off him next week. I'd beat him. But yeah. we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um. So Miro uh, is wearing a fucking Bloodsport jacket. Fucking amazing. 
by the way. I looked that shit up. That shit's like $150 or $180. I was like, man, if you that shit I, I sure did. Like, I was like, <laughs> do I want to buy a damn Bloodsport jacket? I, I ended up not doing it, but I sure thought about it. Um, Lee Johnson, uh, he challenged Lee. He said that Lee Johnson's talented, but nobody can take his divine right away from him. Uh, and a glorious reckoning awaits Johnson. So uh, Lee's going to get a shot next week. So hopefully he can uh, look impressive. Miro is pretty good at these matches. He's been squashing people his whole career at, like in impressive fashion, but yeah. giving them like just enough hope. Um, after that, we got a six man tag: uh, Christian Cage and Jurassic Express beating HFO, which was uh, Mark Quinn, Isaiah Cassidy, and, and Helico came out dancing. And Private Party came out dressed like ninety eight, ninety nine Jeff and Matt Hardy. Um. They were in the, the tight spandex. Like, they weren't in the big Jinko jeans, but they were in black jeans that were supposed to be... They're supposed to make you think of the uh, uh, the Jinko stuff. And, um, yeah, man. I, I don't like this transformation. They were one of the most exciting teams that you could watch. And now, like... And it's been happening for, like, a couple months now. Like, they just wrestle, like, standard heels. Yeah. Yeah, they'll turn babyface one day. Um, but uh, the good guys got the win here. Uh, no real tension with Jungle Boy and Christian still, but um, I think they're. If it's me, I think you got to do a number one contenders match with them too, and that's probably where Christian wins. So Christian also like if he's gonna like get a title shot, he needs to like get a big win also. Uh, but after that. Um, so for some reason, the fucking blade rolls out. Um, of course, he's dressed up in all black, and he knocks Christian the fuck out with the the brass knucks. So next week we have Christian versus the blade. Like the blade is cool, but where's the fucking butcher? Is he hurt? He's been going for a while. I feel like he is, but I don't know. Like I haven't heard anything like definitive on it. Mm. Yeah. Um, so the blade got his ass with Orange Cassidy over like the last two weeks. And now he turned his attention to um, Christian, apparently. Like, whatever. Like, he got the heat by laying him out and knocking, you know. One thing I also like to mention is, like, so I don't know if this is intentional or if you're supposed to think of it this way, but, like, Christian with his history of concussions and coming back from, uh, uh, you know, having his brain scanned a bunch of times, like, was that supposed to be subtext that no one picked up on? Because our first thought was, like, damn. This man just cold cocked with with uh, with brass knucks. Uh, this 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 dude with you know with scrambled brain syndrome. So um, I I don't know, but I was like, okay, I I I see what they're doing here. But um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Like obviously, Christian has to get him back with 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 his brass knucks. Yeah. Um, maybe he can drop to the floor, grab him, and then hit him with the while he's like laid over the rope or something like that. <laughs> um, so we got a Nick Gage uh, video package after that. Said he's a deathmatch king. Said he's basically gonna fuck Jericho up. Uh, and it's MDK all day. Um, after that we got Thunder Rosa against Julia Hart. Um, this is just a quick match. It's Thunder Rosa's first official match as an AEW roster member. Uh, hopefully this is uh, heating her up and we can get her and Britt or 
get her a, a an opponent that's uh on her level because Julia Hart is miles away from being miles away. So she doesn't have much experience. Yeah, because well, is she nineteen? She's nineteen with a handful of matches. Yeah. So um It, it was just a match. Yep. Uh, so our lineup next week, um, <laughs> we've got four matches uh, right here. Cody Rhodes, Malachi Black, Miro and Lee Johnson, the Bunny versus Layla Hirsch, and an NWA Women's Championship Eliminator match. Looks like the winner may go fight Camille in the NWA uh, on that uh, on that show they're doing. Uh, Christian Cage versus the Blade. And then after the match, uh, after the main event, we got our fifth match. So after that, Moxley was backstage. He was upset about not being able to make it to Japan. Uh, he said the second that he lost the uh, IWGP US title, then Tanahashi wanted to show up. Tanahashi's been ducking and dodging and avoiding the scrambling uh, and said maybe Tanahashi's the smart one here. The forbidden door may be open, but there's nothing good waiting for him on the other side. Uh, he said he learned from his boy Suzuki and... Uh, Gata and all this stuff so immediately I thought man like the way he's talking to Tanahashi is like Tanahashi is a coward or something I'm like are we about to get like southern style heel Hiroshi Tanahashi like what what are we about to get here like like what is this so um, through the rumor mill people were saying you know we got that title match in resurgence um, we got Lance Archer Hiroshi Tanahashi and maybe that's a way to get it on Hiroshi Tanahashi to somehow get a match at All Out uh, with Tanahashi and Moxley. That seems to be, like, what's in the in the rumor mill right now. What date is I, Resurgence? I, for one, would like to see it. Resurgence is... I'll have to look at it. Of course. Good call. Um, yeah, I, I hung up on that immediately. Yeah, same. Not, um, not Social pre- Suplex Group, our uh, local friends group. It's like, nah. <laughs> like... I don't want to hear my cousin Alice talk about Kanye right now. We're good. It is August 14th. So. Yeah. So. All right. August 14th. All out is what? September 5th. Mm hmm. You start thinking like, is he really going to come over here and then and then do a two week quarantine for just doing one show? Yeah, so, you know, people will naturally think or start, you know, putting things together. And, like, I got to tell you, uh, for that's what I do. Or for, for if I was John Moxley and I had to do if I was um and I had to do all these jobs recently that way, I'd be like, yeah, like, I don't have a title. I don't have a big match for this card because I, I was putting everybody else over. Like, I want my fucking Hiroshi Tanahashi match. Well, let me let me outsource this. Yeah. Um, makes Tony Khan's promo uh, that he cut on Nick Khan and remember the whole WWE New Japan shit that was around just looks fucking comical in hindsight. Uh, the way they've set up the, the title switching hands um, in America and then Hikaleo. Hikaleo coming in, doing a match, building more credibility. Fucking Anderson uh, challenging for the belt, using Nagata challenging for the belt, them doing the IWGB title with, with Lance Archer. Uh, going back to New Japan, then possibly them working that back into All Out. It's like, yeah, man. Like Tony Kondo missed. Like, <laughs> when y'all gonna learn? You know. <laughs> but um, after that, we got the main event. Man, 
a no rules death match Chris Jericho versus Nick Gage and um, this was for, at times shit like I was like what the fuck is going on here and then it just started getting good like once they started just like going through glass and doing like all the other shit and I'm like Jericho like what the fuck Jericho like you don't have to fucking do this like like bro like more nothing but like he 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 was like yo we're gonna bring Nick Gage out Nick Gage is gonna get to fucking be Nick Gage I love that um this man had the pizza cutters took the big bumps through the glass they had the barbed wire they had the fucking uh bumping on the glass after the um yeah the break of the glass uh, they had the light tubes and shit and I'm like wow I was like really impressed by the end of the match um I'm not a huge death match fan I'm not a ghoul per se but I, I dug it at the end at the end of the day uh, like it was funny Nick Gage was like I want to show you I could do a couple wrestling moves in the beginning of the match and it was like nah man just get to the shits but he loses uh to Juice Effect um, at the end of the match, uh, it was a nice like little three sequence that put him down, and um, yeah, I I saw it and I just admired Chris Jericho after. <laughs> I'm like, nigga, you didn't have to do this. <laughs> yeah, uh, this match did nothing for me. Um, like, I feel like I watch death matches in AEW like every three weeks. Um, like, um, I did like the finish, um, which was funny because I was like, I'm, I wasn't watching the time, so I didn't know like how much time they had left. But I was like, he had did some. Oh, he starts stabbing Jericho in the head with you know work stabbing in the head with the uh, the one light tube, and I was like, bro, he's about to win in like 180 seconds. And I immediately I typed that out to y'all. Like this is crazy. Like he all this happened to him, he's about to win in 180 seconds. He won like fifty seconds after that. I was like, I fucking howled because this idiot goes out the ring, grabs more glass. Like, okay, like I don't know why you need more glass. You already have glass. You already stabbed him in the face. Like you didn't pin him. Like, okay, whatever. I guess you got to use more glass. So he brings Bro, out the Jericho <laughs> fucking spits the mist. He spits the, he spits the mist into uh, Gage's eyes. Like he's holding the uh, the four the tape together um, light tubes, and then Jericho uses face of light tubes, and I was like, "That's fucking hilarious." And I was like, "Okay, whatever." Like this this happened way faster than I thought it would. How fast? Like after just being like destroyed or in just tortured, that he's gonna win. But like, okay, whatever. And then you know, uh, I guess let's go to the post match. And then MJF came out and he said, "Why you lay there as uncomfortable as possible?" the CM Punk line for <laughs> just more from the beginning of the pipe bomb, yeah. way in. Yep. Um, he said, you're going to have to hit a top rope move to win. And then he was like, you're going to face this man. And they played the video and they talked about when they brought up Juventud in the promo. And then he announced that Juventud Guerrera will be Jericho's third labor. Now, James, I am a, practitioner of the juice uh, of you know I was always down with Hoovy he was like my favorite luchador in WCW uh, the juice the 450 
off the top rope. They used to have him fight the big guys like fucking Reese. It was fucking hilarious. Uh, I uncovered some stuff from when he was doing commentary and shooting and basically saying Lex Luger's also on the juice. And <laughs> she was hilarious. Um, yeah, it wasn't Tanae that was like trying to like move really on. Did. Yeah, he's trying to sweep that shit in the rug. Like, we know what you mean, like, but I'm not going to acknowledge that because then it starts, you know, it's going to go left. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, the renewal of a classic rivalry, Chris Jericho versus Juventud Guerrero. Now, I wanted the Ultimo Dragon, James, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll more than take Hoovy. Uh, coming back for, for, for the renewal old rivalry. N- nothing I love like callbacks and this is nothing but WCW fucking living. Yeah, more or less. More or less. Um, Ted Turner's revenge. Do we know what kind of condition uh, Hoomitude is in? I don't. Okay. Like, it doesn't really matter. Um, I'm, I'm interested. I wonder what the, like, the fourth and fifth uh thing are gonna are gonna be because it's not like they are stacking this in a way that was like each one gets progressively like more dangerous they're just like i'm just gonna throw whatever shit comes to my mind yeah because like to go from gauge the death match to a wrestling match with hoovy is like or maybe the idea is that he's so beat up from the death match that like he wouldn't want to come off the top row but it's like and you gotta fight someone from your past yeah yeah it's almost I feel like they should have like came up with whatever something else for the second act and then kept Gage for like the fourth or fifth act. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I uh I'm interested to see what, what, what this is gonna be um on Wednesday. I'm really in because it's like I I it, I haven't seen Hoovy in like I haven't seen him wrestle in like twenty twenty one years. So you got that. Um and also it's like I used to hate Jericho's guts because like he was always fucking with luchadors like like Ray like Hoovitude like so Ric Flair and, and and Jericho are like the two guys that was like as I got older I realized that, like I was getting worked as opposed to like you know whatever it's like I hated the fact that he was always that like, those two were fucking people that I, I wanted to win all the time so it's like then you get older you appreciate like outside of the kayfabe stuff so like with Jericho, like my appreciation for him didn't start until like two that until he came back in 2012. So for me, it's like now I gotta watch him as a babyface, like try to like take a like try to or wrestle this dude. It's like I spent like a good majority of my childhood watching him rooting for him against Jericho. So it's like, yeah, like go go Hoover too. <laughs> Fun MJF match. <laughs> Fuck it, call it off. Call it off. I used to play like. WCW, NWO Revenge, Hooventude. I used to choose them all the time and just like, you know, get it popping. Him and Goldberg and like Booker T. Like, I, I, I love the, like, I saw tweets going around that AEW has treated WCW better in, in these two years than WC, uh, WWE has treated them in the 20 since they purchased them. Well, yeah, you gotta remember, like, one is a love letter to pro wrestling. The other one is like resentful of pro wrestling and thinks they're above it when they are pro wrestling. And the best things they ever do is when it's actually pro wrestling. Yeah. Um, so that's why I hope Ric Flair comes home. I hope Ted Turner gets invited to a dynamite one day and they sit in front row and say the, 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 you know, it's been fixed, you know, 20 years, it, you know, it's been fixed. Like we have, you know, our show back. So, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, 
it's a pretty good show. Uh, the, the start and end was very hot in, in both uh, cases. Stuff kind of, you know, slowed down a little bit in the middle of the show. In the uh, ring. Like, I think ring, I, like, this is a show that is great, and it was carried by... It was carried by the talking and the angles and the storytelling throughout the show as opposed to the wrestling. And that's like, that's what American Pro Wrestling is, right? So, like, you know, like, if you were to, like, pull up, if you were to look at, like, AEW and compare it to last year or 2019 and the run it was having as far as, like, we're all the, you know, the Young Bucks versus... uh, Private Party type matches or, or whatever else or, like, we're the Pot versus... Um, hangman matches, whatever else, or where like the Jungle Boy versus MJF stuff, like or not Jungle Boy MJF. I meant to say, uh, uh, no, I meant MJ, I meant Jungle Boy versus MJF. Like, it's not there in that rate, but like the promos and the storytelling is as good or better, and like that's what that's what we're here for. Like, we want things to make sense into and everything to be on TV for almost a reason. And like yeah. they're very good at like one a match finish in result or something happening in a match leading to and being or leading to the next bread crumb to the next weekend or two weeks later, like they're really good at it. So like yeah. they're at that point where it's like even if the uh, I don't think there's been many shows where the wrestling has been outright crummy, but even if it is like they still they still do the fundamental things that make people still tune in every single week. And especially, yeah. especially now, like that's I'm, I'm understanding how good they're doing. Like they're 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 cooking again. Like, I don't wild. think like they're hotter than they were a year ago. I think their storytelling and ramping up towards pay per view was better before the pandemic came. But like they're just people are so happy to be out of the house and to see them, and they're doing and they're and their stuff's all coming together right now very well. So um, yeah, they're, they're they're doing great. Like kind of telling that story in the ratings too, while like every other show like Raw, SmackDown, NXT, like is seen like small atrophies from you know their first week back. Like mm-hmm. you know, they'll lose like you know fifty thousand viewers here, a hundred thousand viewers here. They'll be down you know a little bit, but like AW's either like kept going up or just remained like consistent right there. And it's like, well, when these imports get in here, you you know people are gonna be, tune in to see CM Punk. Yep. To tune in to see Daniel Bryan. They're yep. going to see um, closer to the pay per view and around it as they like people are going to want to see what these stadium setups look like. Like on these shows, like they are hot fish grease right now. So um, enjoy the ride because you know nothing lasts forever. So, <laughs> but yeah. I guess there's only one thing left to do, James. <laughs> What's that? Hit the music. Okay, man. I gotta say, this was um, between Dynamite and Stardom uh, this past week, and all the news and all the happenings and stuff. Like, this was one of the better weeks of pro wrestling since we've been covering for me personally. uh, Since been what doing doing One Nation Radio, like 
the the talk of what's what's ahead of us um with aw and then the talk of, and then like this weekend of stardom's first two nights of the grand prix um first nights of the grand prix even were fucking incredible they were g1 level shows um and i don't mean like some bad b block from um <laughs> from uh last year or whatever else i mean like you pull up nights one and two of G1s when Kenny Omega was still around and like there may not be five star matches but like having just a consistent level of just excellent wrestling five straight like five straight matches where like oh that's three and a half that's three and three quarters that's three and three quarters damn that's four and a damn that's four and a quarter damn that's four and a half damn that's four and a that's four and a quarter or, or, or four like that was basically like both shows. Like the second show had two four and a half star matches, in my opinion. But like it was that level of consistency, and like it was just it was just a blast. And like I think these are two of I think I think this is like the second and third best stardom shows I've ever seen. Um, like everyone came to play. There was no um, goofy Yano match. There was no <laughs> interference being ran out with Dick Toko. It was just like we're in a big building. We're going to on back to back nights. We're going to try to put on the best matches we can in the twenty minute um, time limit. And um, compared to previous years, where um, like two thousand before two thousand twenty, it was always fifteen minute time limit. I always felt that like their best matches, the most you could really get to was like that four and a quarter at the peak because like you're up against time. You can't really you know sink into it and like in a big match feel. Um, last year with the cover restrictions and, um, the, the shows being, um, at, their biggest shows being kind of messed up with, like the final show being messed up with because of, uh, show cancellations and, um, issues with Shuri. Um, like it never got to the point to where it's like anything felt like a match that was going past 15 was going to do anything, but go to a time limit draw. Like, um, they were able to tease a 20 minute draw and like it built, it built to, towards the, um, the climax. If it, it just felt like, oh my God, like this might go to another draw. And then like someone won like right, you know, I think like 15 seconds or 15, 20, 30 seconds before a 20 minute call. And it was like, this is great. And the buzzer like Sonata and Okada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. And then there's also like the matches, like they go like set, you know, matches that go 17 minutes. And it's like, it feels like, it feels like a red belt or white belt title match. Because they're just getting the time frame for like a basically a, a semi main event card or semi main event you know big match on a certain pay per view. It was it was it was great. Um, I guess we just go through uh, night one. Um, yeah, take us through, man. Yeah. So, well, before before we go down the card, was I what was I you know last week I said on this show you know I'm looking at the Grand Prix and the G one. You know, there was some hesitation on on your behalf to uh to to to, to ride with me on this because so, it, so how you feeling right beca- now? Okay, the G one is going to be better when it's all said and done because they are going to have just a, a higher si- end. They're going to have a higher end, and like they are going to on every single show try to you know have awesomeness throughout. Like the way they stagger and move around, like uh the cards for certain shows, like they're ramping up. They're not just like blah, 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 blah. And then like, they basically treat like this. They basically treat the, they basically treat the grand prix the last two years 
ever since they've gone to the Corican Hall on nights on the first weekend and then the final, like, well, they're doing that with, you know, the Yokohama Budokan this weekend and then Oda City on the, uh, for the final. But, like, in between, there's gonna, they're going to run two Corkin Halls and then, like, more or less, like, the rest of it is, like, their normal monthly travel schedule with Grand Prix matches, a couple Grand Prix matches on a car. Like, you might get three Grand Prix matches, you might get two. Um, but, so, like, I can't really... Com- make apples to apples as far as saying it's going to be that consistent because like they're going to throw there's going to be roca on there right she's going to uh, rock uh, on the card right and there's going to be like kokuma on the card and you know basically like in a grand prix match but like they're going to have some you know <laughs> probably some triple f- or, or some trios match also be on the card to be like above that or something like that so th- mm-hmm. I, this was they treat these like pay-per-views as well as just also what it was that's why they were so awesome so I, I just can't go there with 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 viewers flowing that far because it's like I'm not I'm not about to I'm not about to look I'm not about to do put it to that standard because it's not on that not on that standard and also it's like I can't be the dude that's a stardom guy that's about to say yeah you know it's just like it's just like the greatest fucking tournaments you've ever seen like no I'm not doing that so uh anyway but on this weekend it absolutely was it absolutely was. Um, and I was looking through like the, like on cage match, looking through like previous years and like, wow, like this actually is on par. Like the last five years of Grand Prix or like of G1s, like this is crazy. So, um, but yeah, uh, first match. Oh, before we get the first match. So there has always been a opening, uh, ceremony where it's almost like a roll call. They call someone down to the ring. They wear the shirt, they get in the ring. They take pictures for the whole, showing the whole class of, uh, every turn of the tournament, um, participants. And I was wondering, I was curious how they're going to do it this year. Um, cause normally it's like they do the roll call. The last person's the previous, uh, champion shows up and they hand the trophy off the Rossi and they take the pictures. So this year they're in a bigger stadium. All of a sudden on the stage is a wider stage than they normally have for, uh, Yokohan Budokan. And then they, they start, <laughs> All of a sudden, a whole bunch of smoke comes up on the stage, and you can't see anything. And then it dissolves. And next thing you know, nine of the baddest motherfuckers in the world emerge from the crack smoke, and they're all in there, and they're all posing, and like, and they're all in a, a few of them have new gear, but you know, they're you, you've seen the the uh, development of this company to look like a major league promotion um, in the last, you know, pretty much as Bushy Road uh, uh, bought them, and like, uh-huh. you see like. The, the, it, how, like, the, you kind of see, you see the globe and you're just like, wow, like, they all, like, or for the most part, most of them like stars. Most of them like stars. Like, you put Shuri in the way she dresses and the way she carries herself, you can put that on, on SmackDown or, or Raw right now. Same for Julia, same for Tam, same for Utami, same for Saya, same for, uh, Starlight Kid at this point, same for Azumi. Like, and it's just crazy. Like, cause two years ago, I was watching them. Like, you know, their gear looks fine, but it, it also looks like, it looks like indie gear. It just does. So, like, seeing on the stage on that ramp, and they're just all in their, like, poses, and, like, they do the roll call, and they're, they cut camera to camera, and as they call people's name, like, they almost do, like, a video game taunt to the camera, yeah. and just go, yeah. and look, and they're playing this guitar track in the background as it happened, and it just looks, it looks like the, fu- it's like the coolest fucking, like, fighting video game you ever seen, as they're do- going through the poses of everybody, and I was like, this is so cool, and it's set the, t- and they're like, this is such a great presentation, and then you get to the match, so, um, I believe the first match, uh, let me pull up the card, 
I believe the first match was uh, Mina versus Def Yamasan. Uh, let me get to it. I should just pull up my notes and look at notes, but I'm I, too lazy. So, yeah, first match is uh, is uh, Death versus uh, Mina. Short match. Uh, Mina ends up winning with a with a with Milano Collection's old roll up flash uh, cradle, and um, I guess she, he's been working on the technique with her, but he ended up pinning her. Um, short match with less than five minutes. It was a quick was get her on this get get Mina out there for people to see Mina, and then let her beat uh, the clown, and then move on. Um, then next match you get Mina. Sorry. Big fan of the Mina. Yeah, uh, we all are. So <laughs> that's why she brought. That's why Bushi Road brought her in. So then, yeah, you end up getting uh, Kaguma versus Naspoi. Now, um, I remember in the preview uh, when we we were doing over on this for for points. I thought you. I think you had Kaguma as like someone is going to get beaten like a drum. Um, and I, I think I was a little higher than you because like they brought her in and they brought her in and they. And they gave her wins, and they gave her wins at points where I thought, like, okay, so this is gonna be like that. We give you a couple wins, and then we're gonna give you give you else to so you know get you understanding of where you are in the hierarchy. And she kept winning matches, so like, I they 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 like her. They assume this is gonna not rust off her. She's gonna be kind of like where she was um, before she left, mm-hmm. and it was gonna be like she could be a lower mid card tier person. So like, she looks like a person with six wins. So match goes, and most of it is like. They're doing high speed spots. Kaguma is not on the level of Nasapoi na- uh, naturally, so they tease spots where um, Nasapoi is more or less uh, almost like the Azumi, and Kaguma is like the the death. Where it's like I can't run as fast as you, so but I can do technical stuff with you at a time. So you're gonna be the one that's hitting the ropes and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and then at the end, uh, Kaguma ends up beating Nasapoi, which is. I, I I was surprised. I, I wasn't expecting it, but like it was like a three and a quarter star match. It only went it went ten minutes. So um so Kakumi gets two points and a, and a W over Nasapoi. Next match, Julia versus Starlight Kid. Very very good match. Not nearly the level of their uh, white belt match back from uh, Valentine's Day, but it had touches. It callbacks to that match. Um, you get a like a Kebrada. Uh, like a, a Kebrada drop from um, Starlight Kid onto Julia, uh, Saito suplex and like it killed uh, Starlight Kid from from uh, from Julia. Um, and at the end, Julia ends up beating Starlight Kid. I end up giving the match three and three quarters. Uh, really like the match, uh, but obviously thirteen minutes can't really go and do what they did uh, in Corican Hall back in February. Uh, one thing of note: Starlight Kid. Um, she came down to the ring with a, she had a mask on and then she came out to the ring with a second mask, a black mask, but it's like, you know, her mask and I'm like the Ray Mysterio open mask one, you know, and, and, uh, starting to have like the closed mask, like the mask with like people just going to take off. They're just for show. Um, the mask, the mouth of the mask of this closed mask, uh, had like the, like the face in the, the, the mouth of like the Mayu's mask. So then on Twitter, Starlight Kid said that like the mask I'm wearing I wore on my head for the Julia match is the is like the the Oedotai refurbished version of the mask she ripped during the white belt match. Um and then 
the next de- the next night against Saki, she shows up with a black and pink mask to kind of connote the old Saki colors when she was in Stars. I think she in her last match against Mayu um, in Oda City. I think she may unmask mm. uh, because the Mayu mask uh, that I'm talking about that she had, like it has like the zipper on the back, like you're just gonna rip it off. It's not like you know tied up or whatever else. So it's almost like I can see her. She has all these masks for her themed opponents. Gets to Mayu, has the mask on. No one really knows that it has the zipper on the back. All of a sudden unzips rips it off she goes mad she goes uh she she shows her face her first time ever as a wrestler everyone gasps everyone gasps she's and also like now because no nasco like she's the facto leader of of queen of not queen square so oedo tai like it's like this is now the evolution now that i'm the one with mayu she, she might beat mayu in the last night you know like that's the put over thing and you go through their progression. It's like, that's really cool. And I, this, I'm doing all in my head, but like, I'm seeing the way this laying out. It's like, I can see it. I can see it. Um, anyway, moving on. Tam versus Unagi. Tam for third, for this goes, this goes 13 minutes, and 16 seconds for about 12 minutes and 30 seconds of this 13 minutes and 13 seconds. Tam is whooping her ass, uh, t- just stretching her, torturing her working over her leg at points uh kicking the shit out of her uh v-triggering her all that axe kicks to the back of the head um telling you know beating her down to one knee telling her to get up and throw and fight back she's smiling laughing at her striking back at her tam goes uh Tam hammers her. Tam then uh, goes to hit her with a uh, dragon soup, not dragon suplex, a tiger suplex. Unagi slips out, slaps her in her um, like double underhook power driver or last for the dragon looking deal and pins Tam. Tam doesn't settle like she's devastated. She She's like, she's sort of like, damn, that hurt. Uh, but like, you y- you caught me in a finish and I got beat, but like, I'm not going to sell lights if I'm devastated. And I was like, wow, like they already got 10 licking points. All right, whatever. Uh, I'm so, it might be three and three quarters. I'm gonna give it three and a half, but yeah, it, it was, it was interesting just watching like Tam go to work on her. And like, I, in this tournament, the thing that I like about this tournament with Tam is like, is she so, uh, story driven, storyline driven and all that stuff. Like, in the tournament, she just most of the times like she'll just goes out there and just goes all out, just empties the gun, and like it's really fun. So like, uh, or you'll see her just basically like show element that she'll do, or she'll just like stretch somebody that's way that she's way above. Like, uh, for example, um, Tall Saya last year, and I I, I call it technical tan when she goes out there and like puts people in holes and shit. It's funny. So I really enjoyed the matches three and a half, uh, and they're like quite frankly. Um, I think this is best. I think this is the best Unagi match. I think she did more stuff in the uh, match with uh, Mina um, for the white or not white belt, the future belt at on pay per view last time. But mm-hmm. I just I just enjoyed this match and story. Like she's she's she she's in some in there with someone. It's almost like Rocky. She's in there with someone that that she has no chance to beat, and then like she actually caught her. She actually caught her. So I thought it was cool. Um, so then you end up. So then you get to the real. Shuri versus Kamatani. Shuri. 
she basically takes like 75% of this match. But the stuff that she puts over in Hope Spots for Kamatani, like, they built towards uh, her uh, spinning, uh, what's Savio Vega kick? Spinning wheel kick. They they built towards the spinning wheel kick like Okada's drop kick. They did. Like, had her down, had her dead to rights. Is is it is like is about to she's about to end this match. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's about to, like Shuri's about to go on a run of offense. Have her in the corner. Shuri comes charging. Nope, spinning spinning heel kick. That was awesome. There is a slap battle in this in this uh in in this match where Kamatani looks like she's about to like take control. Shuri says, "Nah, slaps the piss out of her." And then slaps her again, and again, again, and slaps her to the, basically slaps her. She melts into the canvas and kicks the mm-hmm. Tell and then tells her to get up. Then uh, Kamatani comes, slaps shit out of her, and Shuri's like standing there, just like taking it, almost like Tam uh, with Julia um, at, at Budokan Hall, just taking it, like and just determined, like this this non-fighter flippy person is not going to slap me to the ground. And she, she making his face like determined, like, don't go, don't go out. Don't go out. Don't, don't go. Don't, don't drop from, from slaps. And she mm-hmm. is dropping from slaps. Um, and Kamatani just couldn't take advantage. Uh, she, uh, she went for the star, her, uh, her star crusher, her Falcon, her fisherman Falcon, uh, Falcon arrow. Couldn't pin her, tries to get her up, tries another move. Shuri, uh, snaps out of it, takes and ends up being a shit out of her. Ends up hitting, dropping her with a uh, a uh, emerald frozen, drops her right on her neck, and then uh, gets the W. I, I end up giving this like. match. I end up giving this match four and a quarter. I love this match. Like this was this is my favorite Kamatani match. Um, singles match. I, I I really enjoyed it. Like he she brought out a lot out of um out of Kamatani that like even the Utami match from Budokan Hall early in the year just like. I felt like she was kind of just, you know, just doing spots while Utami like held back from being the crap out of her. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we'll talk about their their match in the night too. But yeah, I just uh, I, I really love this match and like Shuri. You should have you seen her gear? Uh yeah, I did. The I ge- saw her. I saw her. Um, her character fighter pose. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and like even like when you watch on on um when you eventually get to it and watch it on um Star World, you'll see like the detail and the textures of her gear. Just. Mm-hmm. She knocked out of the park again. Like, best dressed. <laughs> best dressed nominee, definitely. Uh, so then we get Momo versus Mayu. And this is like every other Momo versus Mayu match you've ever seen, except for a little plot twist at the end. Um, they, they kick the shot of each other. There's suplexes. Uh, there's there's near falls off of... Or sorry, there's... um. Momo is kicking Mayu so badly that Mayu has to uh, hit it towards the end of the third act. Like, hits is awesome out of a out of a you know back and forth ball spot with kicks where Momo gets advantage of kicks, catches the last kick, uh, dragon screw leg whip, slaps on a um an ankle lock. Uh, Momo makes the ropes. Um, Mayu goes for a moonsault, misses. Momo goes up to the top rope. Um, and hits the uh the meteor off the top off the second rope. Um, goes and hits uh her peach sunrise that pump handle fifty fifty uh deal or uh, suplex. Doesn't uh-huh. go for the pin. Gets her back up. Lifts her up in that same position. 
and then f- flip drops her forward like a uh I don't even know. Um it but it was she calls it the peach bomb. She was great looking, devastating, and Momo gets a W over over Mayu. Now before the ma- going into the match Is that uh, the twist? Sorry. Was that the twist? That she won? Yeah. No No no, I will say there's a twist. Uh, I just think that like the twist was that like she hit a, she has a super finisher now. Ah. That's what she's like. And the thing about it is, um, both of them at this point, like this year with like everything that that, that Mayu has lost, like she lost her, she lost the red belt, she lost Tam, um, she lost, uh, Fuki and Death, she lost Starlight Kid, like. She basically lost all the stars that we were familiar, all the former star members that we were familiar with, that we've seen her with over the last couple of years. Everyone has been like super important to her. Like the only person she has left is 16 year old Hannon, right? That's it. Because Jungle's go- Jungle torn ACL off the, on, on the, t- on the shelf. Uh, Giant Saya torn ACL on the shelf. So it's, it's, it, it stars literally three people. It's Kaguma, Mayu, and Hannon. So like at that point, She's lost, basically, nothing but lose since November. And then Momo is in that stage where it's like, she's in, she's obviously in a, in a, uh, a crossroads in her career too. So it's like, whoever, someone needs to, both of these people need to win badly. And to see that Momo like dug down to like, fuck it. I need to hit, I need a new finisher to just to, I need a super finisher because, you know, Mayu, Mayu is Mayu, even if she's had a bad six or eight months or whatever else. So, mm-hmm. you know, my, my normal finisher didn't work. I'm not even going to try to use it to pin her. I'm just going to, like, hit that, hit my finish, and it hit my super finisher, and it was devastating looking, and it was awesome. And, like, even before the match started, like, they both shook each other's hands, and, like, my emo don't normally shake hands, right? Like, if Momo don't like shaking hands, like, she's always about that, like, I'm, she has gives off that air of I'm better than you always. Like, I'm never going to, like, give you the difference of respect of anything. So, they shook hands, and then after the match, they shook hands again. And it was like, I feel good for Momo, Momo, you know, because uh, she hasn't had a title match since uh, the December uh, pay-per-view, where uh, was four and a half against Utami, and like this was her. This was basically her, you know, her big match, her biggest match she's had in a while as a single. So like, it was cool to see. Like, we're not crazy. She's still one of the best fucking wrestlers in the world. She's just, she's just like that's not her role right now. So it was cool to see her them two unload each other because like Mayu ain't had no big match since the Yoshiko match at Budokan Hall. So, so, so it ain't 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 no mid mo. No, no, they they no, opened no up and they went out there in an awesome match. Th- that match currently has thirty three votes and is at eight seven nine on uh on cage match. I gave it four and a half, uh, but yeah, it was awesome match. Uh, and then the the main event of night one, uh, Utami versus Micah. This was Micah and Utami's best match. Now I've seen, I think this is their fourth match. They did the fourth match. Um, I really loved their match that they had uh, at the Central Tournament last year. They went to a uh, ten-minute draw, and I was honestly disappointed with their uh, red belt match in this, in January uh, from this year. But this match made up for it. <sighs> this was this this was a Drew McIntyre. Uh, trying to think of like the best versions of Vince McMahon's idea of a Haas battle with people he would love to see just get it on and throw it and just hit the fuck and just beat people each other up. Like this was mm-hmm. it. Like this was like Braun Strowman versus Drew McIntyre, except 
it was uh, in a stardom ring, and like there's a there's a uh, clotheslines, Larry's galore, sliding D's galore. Uh, there is a brain buster on the floor, on the man on the floor. Uh, the suplex from uh, Micah on uh, in the ring. Um, Micah ends up uh, working over Utami's arm. Ar- her arm's damaged. She's one of the best sellers in the world. They're selling the arm. Um, power spots galore. You get a point to where uh, Utami seemingly has a match one, and not happening. Like uh, she is, uh, Mike ends up getting to Utami's back, chokes her out. It looks like she's about to choke out Utami. Utami like sells it like she's about to go out, and then she makes her up at the last gasp. Uh, Micah gets her up and gets her up in like follow away slam position, and then uh-huh. from follow away uh, slam position drops with a Mishinoku driver. Uh, they, they're calling it Mishinoku driver two. Gets a W over Utami. That Micah is the first person to beat Utami in a singles match since Micah beat Utami in last year's Grand Prix. Um, They'll say it's I, been a while. Yeah. So like it, been a while. Like, huge match, big stakes. Like you, you throw that out there, and you throw out like the uh, the Saya match, the tall Saya match at um Cinderella tournament, and then the match she had uh in night two with Shuren is like, Micah's on that that next tier. Like it's it's her and her and Kamatani for like who's next, um in the next like eighteen months. It's almost like it's those two. One of them two are gonna be a red or white belt champion next eighteen months. It's it's almost like a lot. So, um, great. Like I said, uh, I end up giving this match uh. Four, four. I can't remember if I gave it uh, somewhere between four and a quarter, four and a half. But I'm sorry, four and a four and four and four and a quarter. Love the match, uh, super physical. And like I said, Micah ended up beating Utami like right with like 15 seconds left before the 20 minute, uh, before the 20 minute uh, draw. Like so, like that added to it. Like I love this match. Uh, love this show. Um, one of the best shows of the year, easily. Like right now, it has a eight and a half on a cage match, which would rank that at, like, let me look. From this year, uh, keeps moving. Okay. Yeah, like, that is right now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It is the tenth best show rating on, uh, cage match for any pay-per-view or TV show this year. Um, and number one is uh Hands Memorial show, so that doesn't really count. So, yeah. Uh, excellent show. Excellent show. Um, night two. More consistent the more in higher highs, but, like, I don't know. It just maybe it was, like, I was um so blown away by night one, but the quality is, is still there. Um, so, if I can pull this up again. Events. Excellent radio, right? <laughs> all right, so, so, all right, here we go. Night two. Uh, Unagi versus Azumi. Azumi basically does a whole bunch of high-speed stuff around uh, Unagi and ends up getting caught. Like, I feel like, actually, I take it back. Uh, Unagi, because of the size difference, was able to do more stuff to... Um, to Azumi, uh, there was a spot where Azumi uh, was put in the gory, the gory special, and then because she wouldn't tap out, Unagi basically grabs her, 
and basically does like a turns into a face buster from a from like a gory face buster. It was awesome. Um, and then she ends up uh, ultimately you know winning with her um, the same like double underhook made in Japan looking move that she has. I don't know what it's mm. called, but um, it, it does look cool. Um, so then you get second match: Starlight Kid versus. Oh, I ended up giving that match. Uh, I think I gave it three and a quarter. Yeah. So next match: Starlight Kid versus Saki. Now Saki is a geek, but Saki, when she's motivated, can have can wrestle almost like a high speed wrestler, um, and it and is good in her, when she wants to be good. So. Starlight Kid and Saki come out now. You know they're now both an Oedo Tai former stars wrestlers. They they go to the ring. They go to the center of the ring and they go to give each other the right hands to shake. And at the same time, Unison, they both take away the hand and walk back and smile at each other like they're both like despicable heels. Both evil. Yes. So uh, they have a, they have a very good match. Um, scary moment though. Um, kid goes for a. Uh, a variation of a t- of a tombstone pal driver hits it on replay. I see that um, you know when you get tombstone, you duck your head forward. Saki ducked it backwards, and she gets and she gets pinned, or she drops. And as she's getting pinned, you can see her like sound like she's like she's starting to cry. She's in pain. She's grabbing her neck. Uh, the ref comes. Ref. Asked him at the doctor to come in to talk to you know check her out. Um, I'm looking because I'm I'm seeing how she reacted and I'm just like oh no you know and I'm looking she's moving her legs and everything and I'm like okay like maybe she caught a stinger or whatever else. So um, she ends up getting out walking off her own power with you know getting getting help because she got she lost but uh, it was a very good match. I'm giving that um, I think give it two, I gave it give it three and a quarter. Uh, yeah so. Then we get to the uh, <laughs> we get to the the real stuff after intermission. Natsuwa versus Momo. Momo, after beating Mayu in the semi-main event, feels great about herself. She, you know, she's in there with Natsupoi. She has a, a a height and size advantage over Natsupoi, and Natsupoi tries that high speed stuff. And Momo is like, "Nah, I can lift you and hold you and, and throw you around." And she proceeds to then kick the shit out of Natsupoi at times. Natsupoi is basically mounting comebacks with, with speed or whatever else, but like mostly is leading it to is <laughs> leading it right back into Momo's feet. <laughs> Momo kicked her head off like four or five different uh, spots in this match. Um, uh, and then Mom and then uh, Natsupoi mounts come back, and then Natsupoi comes off the ropes and hits a step up electric chair flip to like you know how people will flip from electric chair to Hurricane Rana. Yeah, she flipped from electric chair to like a arm drag move that got up that turned to a pin attempt, and I was like, what the fuck is this? It um, it was so wild it looked like a botch. I was like, what? Was it supposed to be like a you know a head scissors deal and she missed or whatever else? Oh. Nope, pin attempt perfect. End up get end up stealing the win from um from Momo and that's boy sitting there super happy and doing the you know the poi thing and everything. I was like, God damn, she's good. Like you know every time we see you, you seeing her, you're like she's great. But I, still like she's been going for like a month and you're like she's bringing out new stuff. Um, really great match. I ended up giving uh I ended up giving this three and a half. It only went ten minutes, like or nine forty four, but like it it was still great. Um. Then next match, Tam versus Konami. Uh, 
Tam comes out last. She goes to do her normal um, pre-match celeb- or you know pose and all that stuff. Konami attacks her while she still has the haberdashery on and the belts on. Takes her outside, whoops on her, uh, grabs a chair, and then t- puts her uh, puts Tam's arm into the chair, throws her into the post, um, then pilmanizes the arm. And Tam is like for the first half selling this thing great, and then the second half of the match said, "You know what? I'm tired of this. I'm, I'm not going to sell anymore." So uh, the match would have got a higher score. I, I would have gave this match a higher uh, rating if uh, Tam sold it better, but whatever. They go back and forth, just kicking, you know, kicks and working over the arm. And Tam is fighting to make the ropes off of every uh, arm bar that, that Konami gets. And Konami goes to the top rope uh, at one point. And she does the old Orissa Ar- thirteen ninety nine kick to uh to t- and takes Tam's head off. This is the cleanest looking uh uh thirteen ninety nine you'll ever see. Like Orissa used to just do it, and you'd be like, I hope she doesn't like you know t- land you know tweak her ankle or land on her knee or mess up her hips falling. She basically treats it like a instant enziguri. It, like it's so clean. Took Tam's head off. Um. Tam mounts a fight back, basically says, fuck, fuck my soul, my bad arm, I'm just gonna fight like I normally fight, uh, and at the end, uh, ends up hitting, dropping Tam, or Tam ends up dropping Konami with a, uh, Tiger suplex and gets the win, I end up giving this match, uh, three and a half stars, I really liked it, uh, I thought their, I think their two previous matches I've seen for them have been better, but, uh, middle of the card, you only get a certain amount of time, they wanted to tell a story and then, like, undo it in the second half, I, I, disconnect for me like people have this rate higher than i do um so then you get intermission or then you get the uh the last three matches utami utami versus saya it is very similar to their match at budokan hall um except not as good um it's just after watching after watching her match with shuri uh, uh kamatani in the last match and thinking like okay she didn't get physical. She's in there with Utami, and Utami is basically like the match is about all the whole spots that Saya can can land. Like, can she hit the the you know the port the, the West Coast pop? Can she can she do the or can she land the Phoenix Splash? Can she do a Spanish Fly in the ring? Like, on, or basically on off the mat onto the floor instead of off the top rope. She don't do it off the top rope. So it's just like. I saw this match four and it was done better. I end up I end up still giving this four, but like I think people, I think people either more like feel like it's the same match they already saw, or people are like this is great. And I'm just like I'm somewhere in between, but I I just I couldn't really get into this match. But like you see all the stuff they do, and it's like it's a well told story to, to build for Saya, but it's like I want to see um I want to see the progression of their feud or their matches like in the future. Like I want I'm more interested in what their matches are going to look like in two years and now. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, by the time Saya, I don't say necessarily catch up to Utami, but, like, gets enough experience and respect from the crowd to where, like, she doesn't have to wrestle these matches like she's a babyface in peril. Like, when they're more like equals, I think their match will be a lot more interesting. Um, but, yeah. So then, uh, Shuri versus Micah. Goddamn. Goddamn. <laughs> Man. This was the damnedest match. This was a this rich. This was a seedling match. That was what it started. They beat the shit out of each other. Like the one thing that I like about Shuri's matches is obviously we know it. Like she's a devastating kicker. But there are times in, in like the that Tommy match from um from June, the Red Belt match, where it's like she wrestles and she wrestles so well and she fights you and then like you get an advantage and then like after like 
it's been like 10, 15 minutes where she hasn't kicked you or thrown a kick. She's like, oh yeah, I got, I like, it's like, she's a strategist. was like, I, you know, you know what you got? You got this. I got that. You got this. I got that. You got this. I got that. And then all of a sudden she's like, fuck it. Kick him. Bow, bow, bow. Just lighten up, just lighten up her chest and, and everything. And it's just like, God damn it. Like, and then all of a sudden the head drops start, start fa- falling off the tape, uh, start falling out. Um, then there's a spot where one of them lands one of those Ishii headbutts where you, you duck low and you basically like elbow the, or headbutt their collarbone. Mm-hmm. And then the other one responds. Then the other one responds. Then they go in a, a Roman Greco knuckle lock and they start both Ishii headbutting each other like 20 times, not 20, like 12 times in a row. Like, boom, 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 boom. And I'm just like, yo, this match is crazy. Also, like, this is like the most ridiculous James Boy spot, double move spot I've ever seen in my life. Like, they're just doing this. And like, they're hitting each other so hard that like their hairs, their hair are, both of their hair tied up in a ponytail and the hair, like all of a sudden, like as they're doing it, like the the hair is coming loose out of the out of the tie, both of them, and it's like, yo, this is awesome. So ultimately, um, Shuri gets the advantage, and Shuri has had enough from this battle, and Shuri has uh, Mike on her hands and knees, and she just reaches back and she punt kicks uh, Micah's fucking head off, and then she gets her up. And hits with an emerald frozen and drops her right on her neck. Not her head, not the back of her head, not her shoulders. Dropped her specifically on like that four inch gap between her, <laughs> between her, the, the bottom of her skull and the top of her shoulders. And I was like, damn, sure is great, bro. She's, <laughs> she's just great. And all her matches feel like wars. This was an absolute war. And to give this match four and a half, I loved it. Um, yeah, and, and look, and, and uh, the cage match agrees with me. It has a right now it currently has a eight six three rating. Uh, then the main event, Mayu versus Julia. Now, um, Julia has ever since she has um lost the Budokan Hall and got her head shaved, she has gone through some phases trying to find. A look that makes some sense, and I think each time she's tried to find a new look, it's looked worse and worse. And it feels like she has lost her confidence and all that kind of stuff. And like, thank God that she's in a tag team with Shuri because if not, like, she has nothing really going for her aside from the stuff with Shuri. Um, in this, in like these, some of these great defenses for the tag titles that she's had. She comes down to the ring. She has a robe on, and I'm like, huh? What's this? Also, her hair is no longer orange. Or, I don't know if you remember her hair. She had dyed her orange recently, but like now it's back to blonde. It's back to the Julia blonde. Um, it's still short, but uh, you see, she, yeah, she's yeah, going- I heard, I heard something like, like she, like she came out, like it was like, um, all that other shit that that Julia's is starting from the bottom shit, like all that shit's over now. We bat, we bat the business. But but she never started from the bottom because like. She lost the belt. She lost that. Like they're not even hiding. Look, they're not even hide, trying to hide it or or anything anymore. Like it's like no top star Julia's back. Yeah. So basically, she takes off the robe and she basically has this. She she's basically like to the same the, the same gray, black, red, and and silver and white that she was wearing back when she was you know the white belt champion. Um, back to that color scheme. Hadn't worn it when she was GI Julia and when she was. Whatever the fuck Daft Punk looking thing she is in that tag team thing with uh with, with Shuri, um, and like the hair is obviously still not as long as it used to be, but like 
it's basically like the pants are like the tag team pants that she's that she's worn recently, except it's in the color scheme of like what you normally know when Julie was a top star. And it's almost like symbolically it's like I'm back. Um, so early in the year, uh, the same weekend of uh, Hannah's the one year anniversary, of Hannah's passing. Um, Mayu and Julia had a 15 minute. I actually went to a 15 minute uh, time limit. Uh, last year's Grand Prix, Julia beat um, Mayu. I think it was like this, the first night of, of, of the Grand Prix. So, like, you know, they have their match and, man, it was great. And basically, like, the head bus started flying. The, the shoot head bus started flying. You can start hearing them heads, them foreheads clunk together. Um, and at the end, like, Mayu, like, murders her with, like, just she's on her julia's on her knees mayu hits her with like roundhouse kick super kick roundhouse kick and then uh hits her with the uh dragon the the the, uh, the, the bridging dragon suplex and gets the win it was like and that's a, that match is awesome like they had they had a war and this match is four and a half as well and it's just like you want you know we were talking about the my or the mayu thing um and the, what she's done the last eight months and it's like in one weekend, all that shit's gone. Like, Ace Mayu is back this weekend. And it was like, don't let all this shit fool you with the storylines, whatever else, and all the side quests and stuff she's doing, losing all her friends. Like, they brought her out there to go out here and, and do this. And it's like, it's so interesting to see, like, Utami and Shuri and Micah and Kamatani. Um, like, they were fucking awesome this weekend. Unquestionably awesome. All, all of them. But when it comes down to it, Mayu's still the fucking best. <laughs> it was just, it's like, this, like, watching her is like, you know, you, you really haven't had that this year, except for the Yashiko match. So it was like, still, there's something about these Mayu, these big Mayu match where she's like, she's just, she just unfuckwittable, like, on, on this particular scene. She just is. And I, I, you know, I never had any doubts that that's, that, that she had lost or anything like that. But it's like, it just feels good. It was like, yep. Still got it. Still fucking incredible. So, um, like I said, like it was a great weekend, and just to see people like have some of their best matches of their career, and like see like the progression of, of where they've you know gone through, and like some of the stuff doing, like seeing Micah where she is, seeing Kamatani where she is, Tam taking care of the undercard right now, and you know giving away L so that she can then you know then eventually have a a big match with her friends like she's Shawn Michaels talking to Sh- uh, Bret Hart in nineteen ninety six. Like, and I haven't talked to you about that, but like, that's clearly what she, all this is like, think about it, right? First, first match, first defense, Nassi Poi. Mm-hmm. Old country B from, from at rest girls. We're going to say a storyline where like, you're upset that I left and never came back and we were friends. And you broke my heart. Um, next defense after that, uh, was the Kamatani winning, uh, the, the Cinderella tournament. Mentor mentee. Next match, Starlight Kid, another mentor mentee uh, angle, and then the one that's looming that everyone wants to see, her versus Mayu after they broke up uh, in no, er, December. So it's like she's literally fight. She's literally setting up programs just just to fight all of her friends and have these like long and gigantic depth storylines that go way back for years and have all this like great great history with them. It's like. 
She is she is literally on the Shawn Michaels '96 program. Except like, there's not Brett saying like, "No, that's bullshit." <laughs> yeah, we've been saying all these elite bad, worker, know, Kenny Omega like links on Twitter. You know, um, say that again. So we've been seeing all these Tam Nakano, Kenny Omega links on yep. Twitter. That's funnier. You bring it up of that. Yeah, um, wrestling all your friends and and having these like these these situations where like there's a tension there. They'll get to it, and you can pick who you want to because like both people are justified in feeling how they feel. Yeah, like so, and like I started to realize this after you start sending me the stuff where people are like, "She is the t- like." Kenny Omega Tam Nakano connection or whatever else. And I was like, huh, what? Like, I'm, they both are V triggers, but like, nah. So, then thinking about like, I thought I was thinking more or less like style of wrestling and, and whatever else, but then you think of it like, nah, the storytelling thing, like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, I get it now. Like, Kenny and Tam are very similar in that. Like, yeah. literally, like, we we don't care who's the heel, who's the face, who you, what side you're on, we just want you to pick. And and root for whoever you want to root for, but like being thrall by the by the journey. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I thinking about it uh, more. I was like, okay, so now I get what they mean because I thought they were th- talking about just the wrestling style. I was like, Tam's not that kind of athlete, bro. <laughs> just not. But uh, but yeah. Um, great, great weekend for Stardom. Like, awesome. I think you know, AEW and Stardom, in my opinion, are two best promotions going right now. They just are. Like no, like. I don't think that they can have the matches that New Japan can have, but like there is something to be said as far as like stardom. They almost never give you a match that overstays is welcome ever. They're always leaving you wanting more than 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 the other way around, and that's a re- and like that's the reason why I love I've always loved this promotion is like you're always if anything either it's perfect or you wish you had more, and you you rather have it be that than anything else in. Um, watching this weekend was like, wow, wow. Like they're even better than I think they are at times, which is saying something. I think highly of the wrestlers there. So yeah. Um, got a couple questions in discord. It looks like, um, so it comes from, I think this is Muzza. This is a question for one nation rail with both Yoda Suji and Yuya Uramara heading out on excursion. Which of the two would you most likely want to see in AEW? Hmm. I probably say you're more. I'm gonna go with you more too because you more has like a little bit of like he'd be like trying to try Minoru Suzuki, so there's like a little bit of like he's craziness to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's got like this like badass look. Like um, he's gonna be a, they they both may be top stars, but I feel more confident about you you more being like a top star. Uh, always liked them going back a couple years, so uh, I would. Definitely love to see uh, you more in AEW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but then again, well, they wouldn't do it. They're not, they're not Charlotte. They're or not. They're not like uh, Carnies like we are. But like, I want to say like if this was, let's say, fifteen years ago, sixteen years ago, I could see like Impact like trying to run a scam where it's like, Yo, the sushi. Oh, you mean Kabashi's son? Because <laughs> he's 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 built like Kabashi and he favors Kabashi, so it is something the facial hair and the long hair. So we be they can try to run that scam, be like, oh, you know, yeah, let's look about that, that little Kento over there. So like, I, I just I always thought, that, uh, but yeah, and also I, I do like uh, I do like Suji just because like I, I like you the part where like he's a up. sorry. 
I was gonna say if you guys have never if you guys don't know what Yoda Suji looks like, he looks like someone dropped out of nineteen seventies New Japan <laughs> into like the modern day. Like people just don't look like that anymore. Right. Like, <laughs> um like the last time they've had a young boy that looked like that was probably like Kitamura, right? And but they, but he had more of a bodybuilder uh physique yeah. than like him. Like Suji's like uh Suji's almost like built just like just he looks like the guy that from your town that was the star football player that like didn't make it for whatever reason, just like big and brolic and whatever else, but has a gut now because he drinks beer. Like he's, I, 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 I they want to push him. Obviously, they they obviously like him, but like I think they're going to like really go. And also like you're more like he's he's really good too. Like I I I like this class more than like the, the last class. Like the the, the um, well, no, actually I take that. I like the show the class. Like the one before, like the one that Matt Tawada was in. I, mm-hmm. I like this one way more. Uh, MJ does PR says uh, say AW science Cole um, Punk and Brian who's getting pushed down the card to make room for these guys you go first um, let's see so if Cole is a heel I think Cole is a, like will come in as a mid carter. Like we're not worried about like pushing him at the very top, like a uh, Punk or Brian. So like he can just fall in the middle, kind of. Punk and Brian are probably going to move people like Kingston, Cage out the way. Um, any any of your random people in the middle, maybe your Orange Cassidy's, like go down a little bit. But you never know. You could. You're, if you're doing Punk and Brian, like maybe they can come in as a team, or they team at some point. Uh, one thing about AW is really good is they shuffle people in and out. So like people don't necessarily get pushed down; they get like circled in and cycled in and out. So um, I I don't think it's, it's it's necessarily a case like hey, your status will go from here to here. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's not no definitive thing. Yeah, um, if all three were to come in, um, I don't know, man, like, there's some people that I want to see them mix it up with that it's almost like, uh, if, if we're talking about just from strictly, like, okay, pay-per-view, like, who's basically going to be, like, hurting from this, mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, you got to say, uh, Death Triangle would be hurt from this, um, you have to say that Cody could be hurt from this. Um, like after he's done wrestling one or two of them. Um, I think jungle boy would be very hurt by this. Um, um, someone like Daniel a, Brian and the jungle boy would be quite fun. Are we bringing in Brian as a heel or just like, I just mean, to do the match at, at some point? Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I agree with you too. Um, Sammy be very hurt by this. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I feel like that just bubbling under the surface, people um, will be hurt a lot. And maybe like someone established like Cody could be hurt by this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, Andrade be very hurt by this. 
he's on thin ice. Um, He'd be very like it, it. It seems like every week, like there's like, um, like he hasn't wrestled a lot. Like he's only done that one match still. So uh-huh. it's like, what's up, man? Like, I, like, uh, like let's let's get it. Let's let's get to it. So um, MJ also had another um, question. So I know you can never have concerns. You can never have too much talent. But are there any concerns at all with how the roster is shaping up? Um. So like I counted like the men's roster. It's like anywhere between like seventy five and eighty wrestlers that are signed, uh-huh. right? And I'm like, well, you have two major shows coming up, and then you got your two secondary shows. You can add a Punk and a Brian still to that. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm not really like if let's look at it like this. They are at this point in an arms race. So, like, the more weapons you have, the better it is. Um, looking at the WWE main roster, there's around 63 guys in there. I'm just counting the men. Mm-hmm. Um, b- before you get to NXT and you add that in, and that's still first run television in itself. Mm-hmm. 205 Live is still first run television in itself. So, it's like when I, I don't know when I get kind of like. I'm like, do you guys not count like the amount of people that are signed to WWE when you're talking about AEW getting too bloated? Like, I I don't ever understand this when people say this. Well, um, I think the philosophies make it to where it's easier to uh, deal with whatever they're doing, right? Um, like, even if they have to, or, I don't think they have too many people, right? Like. I think that they're going to stagger these people and keep them from being on TV three times in, in, in four weeks. Like, I think now we're going to be, we're going to see a lot of like, you know, you could see like a, um, you could see people like be on TV, like maybe like two times in five weeks, not like at the top, not, not high end. You still got to have like Kenny Omega and Hangman and the young bucks and Cody or whatever else be on TV, like more weeks than not. But I feel like you can get it close to like the fifty percent type of thing, especially before pay per view. And then like as you get towards, you know, a month out, then you start ramping, you know, people up uh, or whatever else. Um, I think it's gonna be. I think we need to see where the what what it's gonna look like as the show as Rampage gets uh, more um, normalized as far as like get from like them trying to do you know probably do like a a month of big ass shows to try to get it over, and then they'll settle in like I. I I think it's. I think it's. Uh, I think it's t- what we're talking about now. We'll have more of an idea what it looks like, you know, by the time we get to like October. Yeah, um, yeah. I I'm not really too worried about the roster. Like, um, tons of good wrestlers everywhere. Good talkers. Um, doesn't seem like there's like people that are problems <laughs> or anything. Um, you you got guys that are veterans. You got guys that are coming up. Um, I'm talking like hell. Dante Martin from Top Flight, like oh. always, like use him as an example. Also, another thing to look at is like there is a lot of room to put people together in tag teams right now because the Young Bucks have gone through that division already. Yeah. So, like you know, you get a couple more. You get like two, three t- tag teams put together, and then like this doesn't look. This doesn't look as as um potentially problematic as uh as it does now because I, I i think that i think they'll be fine to be honest with you and then there's a trios division like set to come which if is they ever like, do it 
Yeah. Well, the, they're supposed to do it on a cruise. So, uh, when's the cruise? January, I think. Oh shit! It's months away. All right. Yeah, or or October. I don't. I know who knows. I'll ask Floyd. Uh, <laughs> so whenever they do that, like that's going to be a, another place to put people in. I think those things are going to be a godsend on Rampage. Like you can fucking defend the trios belts every week on Rampage if you want. Like <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Besides that, yeah, those are, those are the questions that we had. Okay, so I guess it's time to wrap it up, right? It is time. So thank yeah. you all for listening. Yeah, that's in the show. Uh, be sure to rate us on whatever app you're listening to this with. Um, go to Red Circle and hit us up with a donation. Um, check out ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex and pick up some official Social Suplex Network merchandise. Um, and also be sure to check out the shows on the network. This show, One Nation Radio, Keeping a Strong Style, The Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show, Grumman Watch This Shit, The Grave Consequences Podcast, 8 Bit Suplex, All Things Elite, and Great Match Generator. Thanks for listening, y'all. Later.